Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the 21st Century Underground Podcast. As you can see, we, we have video again. We are live on Zoom remotely. We're responsibly you know, practicing uh, social distancing, as we hope the rest of the country is. Um, I am Salvatore Arnaldo. I'm the writer of the group in this uh, collective of sort of independently-based creatives um, sitting next to me. Brian Salas, filmmaker. Okay, and then on the video screen here. Uh, Mike Villarreal, and I'm an audio producer and... Uh, audio mixer kind of guy <laughs> kind of guy cool so yeah and uh yeah we are actually recording just to give you an idea as far as like with the corona timeline we are recording this on holy shit on thursday april 9th um so hopefully this will go up you know tomorrow or saturday um this coronavirus has it, it's the new normal uh everyone's lives are disrupted by it our, uh, our our upload schedule um is completely thrown in disarray by being home all the time <laughs> we don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, there's been some positive news on the corona front. Um, from what I understand, their initial projections uh, that they were releasing, they were talking about if we didn't social distance, it was like properly, it was like 2 million deaths. And then if we did, it brings it down to like, what's the thing, 200,000 or 100,000. And the number has since come down into like 83,000 deaths. I mean, still a lot, but. Uh, much less than what they were predicting uh, before. Um, I guess so far, like 16,000 have died, which is still very tragic. I mean, in New York City alone, they've exceeded the number of people who died in 9-11. So that's very bad. There's not really any downplaying that, but the situation seems to be turning a little bit. Um, I know uh, Fauci actually said that we might be able to kind of begin returning to normal during the summer. And uh, here in Arizona, it looks like we're actually, our curve is actually pretty flat from what I've seen. We're doing better than some states are for sure. Um, They don't expect, from the latest graph I saw, I think it was on, Maybe the New York Times. I think it might have been NPR. <clears throat> We're not supposed to run out of hospital beds, according to that one. And then also, uh, what else was it? On the peak date, which is uh, the 23rd of this month, April, um, they expect, I think, 17 deaths during the peak, which is obviously better than, you know, say New York or Los Angeles or, like, Washington. So that's San good. Francisco, too. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, our peak for the entire state is better than some cities, for sure. Um, <clears throat> and it's good. You know, I mean, I think uh, – the reason, I mean, because I mean, our Doug Ducey, as we, I think we discussed last time, is famously sort of dragging this thing out as far as the uh, beginning, the efforts to like lock the state down. And uh, I think the fact, I mean, we're the fifth largest city in the country, but the fact that we're so spread out and our population density is so kind of spread thin, sort of in the way that Los Angeles is, except even Los Angeles is far more dense. Um, I think that's helping us a lot. Also, we have a shitty public trans, uh, transportation system. Uh, so that, that actually really helps too, because it's, it's difficult to use, so uh, less people are getting infected that way. Um, we actually a pretty good one. Uh, compared to some cities. I've been, uh, to, I've been to a handful of cities. Yeah. I well, that's, the apparently, that's, apparently that's actually slowing it down, so I mean, I, I don't know. I've traveled the country a lot, um, and generally I was actually, I like this one a lot. I like ours a lot, I like Portland's a lot. Those uh, are like my two favorites. All right, well, whether it's good or bad, uh, something about it is apparently helping slow the spread, so that's good. <laughs> that's positive. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so there's, there's been some good news. I mean, a lot of like tragedies kind of wrapped up in it. Um, we're kind of just sort of doing the same. Luckily, nothing bad has happened kind of on our end. Uh, we've all kind of stayed pretty healthy and, you know, been sort of cooking for ourselves and riding bikes and stuff like that, trying to kind of keep active. Uh, I've been at work on the skeleton crew kind of doing online orders and things like that in like, a pretty safe sanitary environment. We're all kind of wearing masks now at work. So that's, uh, that's an adjustment. But, uh, what, what have you guys' experience been? Mm. I feel like there's been uh, nothing too new on my front. Just been editing, uh, still doing some home stuff. 
Uh, it was actually a fun day uh, Monday. It was Salisbury's birthday. Oh, oh my that's right. Yeah. Birthday, Thank you. The 6th of April. Uh, today's the 9th. So if you take that 6 and flip it upside down, <laughs> um, now it's 9. It's Gerard Way and uh, Boudelaire's birthday today. And uh, yeah, so we, uh, we actually had a little Zoom party then. We ate some. Yeah, Mar Marzana, my girlfriend, she made some wings. Yeah, those were really good. They were super spicy. Uh, they were super spicy. It takes some shit to really catch me slipping up on the uh, uh, hot sauce for, like, wings, but those were actually fucking hot. Uh, there was there was some, uh, there was a disturbance. <laughs> I'll just say that. There was definitely a disturbance the next day. Some cookies. <laughs> we, made, we had a Zoom party. Yeah. Um, it, was it was delicious. It was a, good. The solid, like... What, 10 people in that Zoom party? I mean, also, disclaimer, yeah, no, I had uh, cookies crushed up into ice cream uh, several, just a few short hours after I had those wings and fried rice and everything. So and you had additional wings. I did, yeah, I had additional wings and then additional <laughs> ice cream because I tried eating the ice cream sandwich. Because Brandon just gave me these big cookies. There's just two big cookies with ice cream just, you know, just piled in the middle, several scoops. And I tried eating that and just could barely finish it. A couple hours later, I was like, you know what, I've digested a little bit. I think I would like some ice cream. So I was more strategic about it and I crumbled up one cookie into a bowl of ice cream, started eating that. Oh man, that was fucking good. But the next day, thank God I didn't eat anything until like five. Like I just forgot breakfast and lunch that day. And uh, oh, because when I did, it was, uh, <laughs> there was, it was just feeling in there. And it was, and I, I, I didn't really explode in the, in, in the way that you might expect, but it was just like, you could tell there was some forces in there. Another news, I had wings too. Oh, you oh did yeah, that's right. that's right, yeah. 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 Did you chips and guacs, yeah. salsa. Yeah. Where'd you get them from? uh what is it called uh it was this local bar uh what do you call it uh sports bar this local sports bar was called half moon oh i've heard of, I've heard of that place yeah yeah there we wanted some wings and all the other places and we didn't want to go to pizza pizza hut yeah so pizza sucks. We, oh, their wings do suck yeah wing street are they still uh, partner with the wing street it was mushy yeah nasty. i like i like pizza hut but it's just like it, i don't know it was gonna take too long yeah. So we like Postmates it in. And... Dude, you know what fucking kills me, by the way? Here's just a little glimpse into Phoenix inner city life. There's this place called Monroe's, uh, deep downtown by all the courthouses and stuff. And they serve like this amazing, they have like four items on their menu. They have like chicken and waffles, chicken tenders, like a chicken sandwich, and one other thing. And it was this fucking spicy chicken, genuinely spicy, delicious chicken. It was like this, I think it was an independently owned place. I don't know, I could be wrong. Maybe it's part of a small chain, but so fucking good and if they're not there when this is all over man it's gonna be real you know i mean i personally hope you know i don't get sick and none of no one that i love or care about gets sick but i mean also if that if that chicken restaurant is closed it's gonna be a real upset for me and the entire community what if i told you right now that monroe and that's why i both close i'll call you a son of a bitch and don't don't play with me like that is what i would say (laughs) very good very good chicken there closing permanently you're talking about these are closed obviously i mean i don't know if they're doing takeout i could actually look into that but it's the one place for the chicken i mean i went there a couple months ago the chicken is like genuinely if you get the very hot option i can't remember what it was called they had the hottest like the nightmare sauce type thing and you have to sign a waiver before you get it and i believe it's that hot because i got the step below that the very hot which is usually just sort of average for me because like i always have to go like a little bit too far everywhere i go just to kind of get something that's like got a kick to it and this shit was fucking, I went there with my friend Alex, who has no sense of anything being spicy and feels no pain. And it was like an episode of Hot Ones. Like I was sitting there and he was trying to carry on a conversation with me. And I was like, oh, oh, just sort of like incrementally. And the thing is, it was piping stove hot when we first got it. So I was eating it 
and I wasn't recognizing how spicy it actually was until like I was kind of getting into it and I was like, oh fuck, oh shit. <laughs> like, I just had to keep getting root beer to try to, yeah, it was, a, it was delicious though. So, but I'll get hot next time I go because I think that would be perfect. I think my last comment, uh, at least in the, re- well, in general, in, in general about the corona, but the, on the restaurant front particularly, uh, I got an email today. Um, I went to this bar in Portland. It's called the it's called the Big Lagrowski. So obviously, I play on the, the Big Lebowski. But yeah. I went to the bar up there, and I just got an email from them because that's how the the little square receipts work or whatever. They have your information. Yeah. And uh, it, they, there's <laughs> it's almost a sad email. They're they're saying they're offering basically uh, growler de- delivery, no deliver no no delivery fee, no tip charge basically. It was more of just like a begging of, like, please wow. buy some growlers. And I was like, oh, that's that's not sad. And my last note on this of beer? traveling, yeah, beer. You need to send me that link. I was well, wondering. That's in that's in Portland, though. Huh? That's in Portland. Oh, never mind. So, <laughs> and then on a total, on a little side note of travel, back to that train thing. Uh, San Francisco is easily the worst. Uh, public transit system I've ever had to deal with. I hated that place. So, Mike, to you and your updates. My update is uh, I've known about it probably a week or two weeks ago, but the BTS concert I was supposed to go to April 24th for my six-year anniversary uh, got canceled. It was in San Francisco, and uh, those guys are locking it down so hard, so hard. And uh, we had it all planned. And so, but the thing is, it's, as they say, it's, it's not canceled. It's just delayed. And so uh, they're not issuing refunds at the moment. Uh, but I did uh, get my air, air, air flight tickets uh, refunded and uh, cancel my vacation day. So hopefully, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. They haven't posted a date of when they're going to happen but that got canceled and on uh, good news is my uncle got his test back as negative for having COVID-19 so he just Woo! has a cough Woo! more celebrations yeah no, that's so. really good yeah no I was going to say because he's like I mean, it was one of those things I mean like that's the problem is there's so much going around right now you got cold flu allergies and like based on what you were saying, like it was like with uh, on last episode, I was talking about you know with my girlfriend's uh, parents, like neighbors, where they're exhibiting like the exact symptoms, and they're like super sick, and you're like, oh shit, you know what I mean? And then they came up negative too, so it's just thank God. Yeah. Uh, one last thing with the uh, COVID nineteen update for me, I noticed that all the businesses and people that I've encountered in stores and uh, drive through restaurants and uh, just my workplace and our customers and stuff like that is that everyone take is taking it really serious in Arizona and you know everyone's has a mask on um a, a lot of more people I went to the store today to get some stuff on my way out and a lot of people had masks whether it's medical homemade everyone was you know participating in the six feet distance and avoiding really close encounters in the aisles and uh, even in in like fries, like every ten minutes, they announce to reminders to the the customers to maintain six feet as as much as possible. Uh, two shopping carts, as uh, fries was saying. Um, yeah. And I think people 
themselves taking it seriously, whether we've been in lockdown or not, um, is it's the people, I think what's really helping this them taking this seriously, the hygiene, the social distancing, the self quarantining and stuff like that. So. Yeah. yeah, no, people are actually taking it more seriously than I kind of thought they were going to in this stage, just based on how slow going everything was. Um, but yeah, no, it's like really encouraging to see the way people are handling it, for sure, because I've had kind of the same experience. Um, oh, and then also, uh, when you mentioned that BTS thing, it reminded me, uh, Chuck Palahniuk was supposed to come to the store, like the, the writer, the author of Fight Club, like several days from now, and he was literally just going to be in the store the entire fucking day, just like the entire day, just hanging out and signing books, like interacting with us probably regularly. I would have gotten to talk to him. I've been reading this guy since I was like in sixth grade, uh, fifth grade maybe, probably about sixth, no, probably about sixth grade. And but then, this isn't a lid trip, so. No, I know, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I am just fucking, I mean, obviously there are way worse things that have happened as a result of this thing, so hopefully, you know, but it just fucking sucks. I was like, oh man, that's so cool. My birthday's in April, so this is gonna be cool. And uh, yeah, no, I was just, but, so, is it delayed? Know, or, uh, yeah, it's probably delayed, honestly, but uh, still, it's just fucking uh, Hopefully, I mean, it's delayed and not canceled. Because, from what I understand, he set most of this up himself. Because, I guess, uh, I don't know if the publishers work in the same way as far as like with uh, the graphic novels, because it's like Fight Club 3. It's the uh, graphic novel sequel that he wrote to the sequel, graphic, graphic novel sequel of Fight Club. So, but yeah, I don't know, we'll see. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, what was me? Well, the thing that's actually huge. Um, but yeah, so uh, get into the meat of today's episode, what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we did a music appreciation episode uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, today's going to be our, our movie appreciation episode. We're going to talk about sort of over the course of our lives, different movies that have affected us, some of our favorites, sort of how they've influenced us. Uh, I kind of liked it last time, it was that sort of autobiographical, uh, you know, like emotional kind of, you know, like how, how, yeah, yeah, like how this affected me creatively and kind of wove its way into who I am and what I like to do, like as far as like creative uh you know, like, like whatever our creative medium is. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so we're gonna get into that thing. And uh, we were thinking maybe we'd begin, uh, as we did last time, uh, beginning I think with Brandon and me, we'll begin with Mike this time because uh, music is more his thing. And then we'll kind of go around in a circle, find that Brandon, who's uh, the film guy. The film guy. The, yeah. the film guy. The film yeah. guy. <laughs> My review is mainly nostalgia that I, of, of films, the, the list that I'm gonna name are kind of the ones that, I kind of grew up with and uh, stuck to me. And every time I watch, I'm just like, like in like a good mood. And it, it's not one of those like, oh, this, you know, is good because it has, you know, an 8.5 rating and <laughs> Rotten Tomato. And you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. But anyway, to get to it, uh, some of these, uh, I actually don't have these chronologically in order from when I encountered them growing up, like I did in, in the music episode, I had pretty much almost everything in chronological, in a timeline, but I just kind of wrote every, all the movies down. Um, one, of my, uh, one of my most nostalgic movie uh, series, uh, not a series, but it's a cartoon, uh, Digimon. It's called Digimon the Movie. Uh-huh. Um, I saw it like legit. The day before yesterday, I, I had nothing to do. It was Sunday or Monday. And I had nothing to do. I wanted to watch a movie. I wanted to see something nostalgic. And it was on YouTube. It was yeah. awesome. 
it wasn't there when I looked at it like uh, two months ago, but it was there and um, and they had the whole, I don't know if you guys remember, it was, it was they aired it in a, a Nickelodeon. I do uh, remember it being uh, on. Uh, uh, Angela Anaconda. Does that sound familiar at all? Not really. No. It's just like it's like a cartoon character of like a black and white photo of a of a real person that just makes faces, kind of like South Park, but like real photos of of characters going like, and then it's just kind of like South Parky style. But anyways, they introduced like weird Nickelodeon shit from the nineties, though. Yeah, that does sound yeah. like something they would do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they did the whole. There was like a whole bit before they aired the movie about watching the movie and. And it, I, I just completely forgot their involvement. And I think they had little mini shows too between shows. And, but uh, I got to see that again. And I quite liked the movie. Um, I think what I really liked about it, and usually I find myself, re- the, the movies that really stick out towards me is having good soundtracks. And this one has a lot of good soundtracks mostly like like they had a uh, bare naked ladies uh uh the that one their number one song they're famous for um i feel like it? i know the one you mean but i can't think of any names or even like lyrics but it's it's been two weeks since you looked at me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that one, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had that song yeah, they had totally like that like a 90s cartoon movie just like, oh man they have a movie size budget <laughs> They had like Smash Mouth. They had, oh, you know what I mean? They, they had a, all these good songs that are just like kind of, it brings you back to the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, another one that I had, uh, was a, I got, I don't know if I got this as a present, but The Mask. Yes. With, yeah, I watched yeah. that as a kid too. I watched it like a crap ton, yeah. Dude, I grew up nonstop. That and Roger Rabbit, The Mask and Roger Rabbit. I watched that uh, a lot as a kid too. Just it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Roger Rabbit when they're killing cartoons with like acid. Do you remember that? Did that like scare you as a child? Um, I would watch it. I don't quite remember that. Out. Like holy fuck! I've never watched Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. That's a good movie actually. Probably hold up actually as an adult. I wouldn't be surprised. What what is it called? The official title? It's uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. good. Bob Hoskins is the main character, and Christopher Lloyd is the villain. It's really it's a good movie. It is. It is. Um. Uh. That one wasn't my list, but think talk. Speaking about the mask, remember it. Um. And uh, the Sandlot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched that so much as a little so, kid. Every time it was on, I just I saw it. It was, it was like, like so sad because I was just like a little kid, like alone in like a house or an apartment, wishing he had friends, watching the Sandlot, <laughs> and then like feeling almost that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> They had some. Uh, they had some really good movies and uh, moments in that movie that like got me like ah like the t- yeah. the tensity, <laughs> the dog. Yeah. When the baseball goes over to the vicious oh, dog, I'm like, go. yeah. I'm just like he has to put these special converse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to run at yeah. I like how they use that to run faster, jump higher. <laughs> but yeah, I, that got me as a kid. Now what I see, I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe those. Uh, I was into this as a child. <laughs> Dude, I would love to watch that movie again. Are you fucking. Sandlot's not too bad. Yeah, Sandlot actually no. to watch that. carries pretty good. Is that I'm just. Plus? <laughs> Might be. Oh fuck. I'm just surprised. Oh. Homer Downs on Disney Plus. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, up all the shit, I'm just like, oh. I'm, su- I'm just surprised when I saw it as an, m- much older. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, the moment when they go and get the ball from the mm-hmm. crazy. So it, it didn't like engulf me in much fear as I did when I was a child. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I was like right. sweating. Kid, I like was living. sweating. You're fucking living yes. as a kid. I remember that scene. <laughs> like, like I, I remember being a little kid watching that movie. It's like they're just in every moment. Like when he kisses the lifeguard too. And like the whole movie, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Know, you're so engaged with it. because you, know, you almost don't know what a movie is because you've only been alive for like five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another one um, is Home Alone. Oh, yeah. pretty, pretty much awesome. all of them yeah but home alone is kind of kind of got me into being a little crafty because you know he was super crafty creating <laughs> these contraptions and and uh s- such a good movie uh one of my favorite memories is watching that with my grandfather he's just i'm sitting on the floor looking for the tv and i'm a little kid and he's just on the couch behind me kind of relaxing just sort of like half paying attention to the movie and then, like, when something like Joe Pesci's, like, head gets set on fire with, like, the blowtorch, him just laughing his ass off, like, just, like, really genuinely, like, I think that's hilarious. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the slapstick humor is pretty on par in that yeah. movie. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, I'm pretty much all of all the ones with Macaulay Colton. If there's this one that they don't have it, and it just, it's not the same. Hmm. Um, but, um. Uh, another one, I think. I think it's a Disney one too. Um, I watched a lot of Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Me too. The first Dude. one, right? The first one, especially. Yeah. Most, mostly yeah. the first one. Um, that's what actually got me into like being so techy as yeah. I am. Like I wanted my house to be that way. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I started like taking part my remote, the like fucking TV remotes to see and look at the circuit board and then put it back together. Sometimes they work, so and sometimes they they didn't work when I put it back together. And, and all my like, all my like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the RC cars. Uh, I took it apart. I kind of customized it. I took apart my toothbrushes. I don't know. That movie just got me so techy. I just wanted to learn everything. That's funny. Yeah, I get that. I actually have a story about that, but we'll get to that. <laughs> and uh, let's see. The next one is I'm gonna save them for the last. Saving Private Ryan. Mm. I had an uncle who was a Marine. Oh, I have an uncle. He's uh, he he had a, like a shit ton of all these military movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my mom, she loved those military movies, so she watched Saving Private Ryan nonstop, and uh, and other military movies that I can't remember. But that one in particular, it's just like really stuck to me, and like just I don't know. <laughs> I was really opens, really young, yeah, when I saw it, and it, it, I think it's rated R, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and so. That opening was so realistic. Apparently, there was I heard about a veteran who was watching it in a the theater and had to walk out because he could literally smell diesel fumes when he's watching that opening scene of the boats going up. Mm. Oh, dude, yes, I can. I just you just put it in my brain. The opening is insane. It is. It's a great opening. It puts you in the fucking war zone, dude. Um, such oh. a good movie. What such an interesting plot. Now? 
Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> and uh, uh, that and uh, Forrest Gump, I didn't see as much. Cool. It's oh, good. Yeah. I'm, if you guys have that on your list, I'll let you guys talk about it more. Um, it's not really on mine. If you want to go into it, yeah, I, I didn't think of it until you mentioned it just now. I mean, it was good. Uh, I, you know, the number one character everyone likes to t- uh, just adore and love is uh, uh, bu- uh, was it Bubba Gump? Oh, Bubba. Yeah, no, oh, Bubba Gump is their company. He's Bubba. Yeah, uh, What's his last name? Uh, I can't remember his name, but Bubba. Bubba. Yeah, Bubba. It just it even as a child i'm like i like i just want you to succeed and then when he when he uh dies it's just so devastating what was he calling like his best buddy friend or something like that i don't know uh, yeah I, anyway, I, it's, it's been a while like yeah it's been a while and uh yeah <clears throat> uh lord of the rings it's one of the uh, main mainstream franchise i actually got into like crazy and such a investment to watch three hours <laughs> dude i've watched the whole series all the way through like once it took like nine hours uh maybe 10 i don't know it was long i fall asleep when i watched the first one i never got i don't think i've never gotten through the whole series I, I legit did what uh so did we had uh we had all of them in vhs we had all of it and so we did a nine-hour event <laughs> in, in like three – me and my brother and two other cousins. Um, we just kind of just snacked it up and, did, you know, I mean, it's hard to last nine hours to stay still. I was, you know, nodding off here and there. But, yeah, we did that a couple times actually. Um, let's see. Oh, uh I think this is my last. Let me go over my list. Yep, my last one. And this one's one of my top, top, most favorite movies ever. Um, I'm, I'm missing a few, but Night of the Roxbury <laughs> <That's awesome>. is, <laughs> is legit one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. It's just so fucking funny. I love when his uh, brother bit. shows up at the wedding at the end and he just looks all fucked up. Like, he's been up for like <laughs> two hours. He just, like, has the radio. <laughs> it's just, like, this brotherly com- love that they had. It's just, it's, cr- it's just so... <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uns- you know, you just gotta see it. It's one of those ones that you just gotta see. There's just the humor, the acting on it. The way they deliver everything and the lines is just excellent. Um, uh, I I left one one common movie that really I really love, but um, I'll just mention it right now, real quick. Is uh um the uh the Austin Power movie? Oh yeah, that's actually that's on mine too. Yeah. So Austin, good, so good. Uh, Austin Powers kind of takes me back to that time and back um, when I first saw it as a little kid. It's it's a dude like it's one of those movies like for me like it never ages. Yeah. It's just the Mike Myers's comedy and delivery just like it's it's forever like it's golden. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um that's my list and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the Awesome Powers, that's for sure. That's actually definitely one of mine as well. It was it's just so funny. It's I don't know. Yeah. It's true. I definitely I do, never got old. I like the first one the best, I think, but they're all really good. Have you all seen great. all the movies that I've listed? 
Yeah, yeah. I think so. Other than like Digimon, yeah. I, guess, I mean, I've seen with the show Digimon. Yeah. yeah, with the exception of Digimon, I think War of the Rings. Okay. Because I never got into War of the Rings. I tried multiple times. I mean, I sat through it once. To be fair. We're having. Yeah. We should have a Digimon watch party. Okay, I'll watch it with you. <laughs> and and then. Fucking <laughs> okay, the 90s music. I heard that on the radio. They must have money for this. <laughs> Hey, do you, do you, okay, I'll ask you guys later. You guys go. Okay. I'm done. So I'm going, okay, well, uh, where do I start? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I had like a really unusual sort of like upbringing with movies. Um, I'd watched a lot of those kids' movies that you mentioned for sure. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, um, Sandlot. I, you talking about the Sandlot made me realize, I just didn't even remember how visceral and how absorbing movies were when you were at that age. Mm-hmm. We were so young that you barely even understood what they were, but they just drew you in so much that you felt every sensation that was in a good movie, you know what I mean? It just took you along the whole way. Um, so yeah, Sandlot was totally one. Flintstones, I remember this, I was going to say a funny story, like when you were going around opening up the remotes and stuff. The Flintstones, I remember watching that movie over and over again and loving it. And I remember being so absorbed by that feeling of like love for movies and the experience of watching one and like the emotions that you experience with the characters and just the whole like texture of the thing and kind of the beauty of it that I literally I remember we had one of those tube TVs that was bigger than me and I'm lucky it didn't fall on me um, but I had the movie on one time and I had this amazing idea because I probably saw it in, like a cartoon or like a you know like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark or something um, but I uh, remember literally thinking I wonder if I could, like run I was probably about three or four years old. It's like, I'm going to run into the TV and become a part of that world, that beautiful fictional world where everything's wonderful, you know, and warm. That's really sad when I think back to it. But yeah, I literally was like, ah, and I like ran, I got a head start from the other side of the room and ran into the TV and just bonked into the fucking glass of the tube. And I was like, well, that shit didn't work at all. Yeah. And I thought it was such a brilliant idea. <laughs> and I don't think I really expected it to work, but there's this part of me that's like, if, you know, like in the TV shows where they can't just go into another universe, you know. So that's really a, a good precursor to my entire story and my attachment to films and, <laughs> and books and stories, but uh, and art. But uh, but yeah, no, I remember that. But then, like in addition to that stuff, we were we were like really poor when I was younger. So like my mom would we would get most of our movies from the library before we started going to the blockbuster. So my mom would just take me to the library, and I would completely like. Uh, past the uh, kids section usually and I would go and look at the uh, Universal Monster movies which I really loved and uh, I would get like Dracula and the Creature from the Black Lagoon The Invisible Man and uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera just all these like really good Bride of Frankenstein I liked a lot and uh, yeah I would watch those and then also my parents didn't really supervise me much when I was looking at VHS's so the ones that we did have I would just kind of take off the shelf and watch I don't know when the fuck I saw Predator for the first time but I was really young I don't remember a time in my life where I hadn't seen it so I was watching Predator, and I was, like, really into Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, action movies mm-hmm. as, like, a kid. So I was watching, like, Predator and Total Recall, you know what I mean, where their eyes are fucking bulging out of their sockets. And in the movie, on the surface of Mars, they would, like, go out, like, they would, you know, like, fall out of, like, the, you know, like the space colony or the Martian city or whatever and end up exposed to the surface. And for whatever reason, that would make your eyes start popping out of your head. I don't know why. But I remember that was just fucking terrifying to me as a kid. And I watched, like, True Lies and Kindergarten Cop and all this stuff. And I watched Aliens, you know. And so, like, I saw all these movies, like, just, I really shouldn't have seen. Oh, I remember shit. my mom sitting. Aliens? Oh, Aliens, yeah, for sure. Dude, I remember that one. movie terrified me. Dude, it <laughs> fucked me up. I saw Aliens, and I was like, whoa. And it was, like, really scary. And, like, you know, things coming out of her chest. And she's like, kill me. And I was just like, what the fuck? But then I remember having watched that one and enjoyed it. I had the same experience with Terminator 2. Um, 
but watching that as a little kid and then being like, wait, there's a, there's a first alien movie, like another one. I got that off the shelf and I was watching. I was like, this is really fucking creepy. I don't get it. <laughs> like it was like, really Oh no, no, out. sorry. It wasn't aliens. It was signs. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That, signs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I did the same thing with Terminator two to one. Because Terminator two, it's almost like a superhero movie. And it's like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, yeah, that at a young age. yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger had a weird, almost like same thing with Bruce Lee. And I think it's because there were two people that my dad admired, but my dad was working so much. And uh, I would kind of see them on the screen and, you know, like the last action hero in Terminator 2, Arnold saving this kid, you know what I mean? And like, there's something about it. I kind of like attached to it, I think. And, uh, you know, like kind of like, because my father was just like always working a lot. He was, uh, you know, going to medical school and then working as a doctor. So he's gone a lot and we were trying to kind of pay bills and stuff like that. He's trying to kind of establish himself because he went to medical school late. And so I think Arnold Schwarzenegger in some ways and different people that my dad admired, you know, uh, sort of filled that void, you know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, watching Arnold, like, you know, save John Connor was like, oh, that's cool. And then go back and watch uh, Terminator 1. And all of a sudden, my father figure is trying to kill Sarah Connor, you know what I mean? And he's, you know, cutting open his, like, eye and taking out the eye from the socket and is opening his arm. And, you know, and I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? But I still watched it, you know. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't have seen. I remember my mom sitting with us, with me and my older brother, who's four years older, and showing us American Werewolf in London. And my brother, I remember looking up at one point, my brother was just gone. And I was like, where did he go? And she was like, oh, he got scared. He went to his room. He's like, he left. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I kind of just kept watching, you know. And uh, yeah, so I saw a lot of stuff like that I probably shouldn't have seen. I remember one time, one movie I didn't get away with, my grandparents were over and I had no sense of what you were and weren't supposed to watch as like a four or five year old. And I uh, remembered seeing in the opening of Mortal Kombat and the previews that would be on a VHS before the movie started. I remember seeing Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. I was like, I should put this movie on. And I put it on. I just remember my grandmother just being like, what the, like, you know what I mean? Just like being like totally like, weirded out. Like, no, no. And I think, I can't remember how far it got. I feel like it got to the point where they're finding the help me spray painted on the uh, the wall with the finger. And she's like, no, let's turn this off. And she like, turned it off. I was like, why? It's the, the Mortal Kombat. It was in front of Mortal Kombat, the trailer, you know? Uh, so yeah, I watched a lot of stuff I really shouldn't have seen. And um, I'm trying to think, I, I mean, I kind of, those movies kind of sustained me more or less a lot as I was getting older and kind of going through elementary school. And I mean, in addition to all that stuff, I watched like The Lion King, which I loved a lot. I watched that a lot. And, you know, Cinderella and basically like everything, you know, Toy Story, um, you know, again, like the oh, Flintstones, yeah. like I said. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I watched Toy Story. I really loved it. I remember watching that one a lot over and over again. I liked Hercules a lot because we didn't own that one. So we'd have to rent it sometimes when I wanted to see it. Yeah. So it'd be like a special thing. Um, Batman. I watched, uh, basically, actually, the funny thing is the Joker uh, later in life became, like, one of my favorite supervillains, but when I was really little, Jack Nicholson as the Joker scared the shit out of me, so I watched Batman Returns, Batman Forever, uh, specifically, mm -hmm. like, on repeat, but I was afraid to watch the first one, and, but it, and yet, I was kind of afraid of the Joker, and so I was, like, afraid to see him in live action. But in the cartoon series, I really attached to the Mark Hamill one, like, the Batman cartoon series. So, like, I was kind of trying to, like, deal with my That's fear funny. and kind of interact with it. But, like, I couldn't quite get there. I watched The Mask a lot. Oh, and I watched Ace Ventura fucking, like, bonkers, <laughs> like, all the time. That was, like, my Jim Carrey movie, more so even than The Mask. was Ace Ventura 1 and 2. And I'd, like, be walking around the house, walking like him, like, doing, like, the whole thing and trying to, like, behave like that i remember vividly Can you guys like, believe i haven't seen ace ventura dude it's so fucking wow. you should really watch it i've been wanting to movie. since i was a child yeah you should watch <laughs> both of them the second one might even be arguably better like mm. they're both really fucking good it's just somebody just it's like i don't even know if there's a script i think jim carrey just showed up <laughs> on set and just started fucking going jim crazy jim yeah right and uh yeah i remember watching that i remember watching wayne's world 
Um, but it's like sort of, you know, ex-Saturday Night Live cast members like Mike Myers, Adam Sandler. I watched, oh, I watched yeah. Happy Gilmore a lot that's the mm. one we had. And then eventually Big Daddy and Wedding Singer. Like, I grew up with his movies. But that sort of, like, ex-SNL uh, player kind of thing was almost like a genre on its own that I kind of got turned on to because my dad really liked the SNL in the 90s. So we watched a lot of their movies together, and it was like a bonding experience. I remember watching Wayne's World, and like that fucking killed me. You know what I mean? I fucking loved that from a young age. It was this thing that me and my dad bonded over. I just remember hearing my dad laugh when we were watching movies was always like a big deal for me. Like for whatever reason, I just like feel even still to this day, if we're watching something and me and him are laughing together, like it really like warms my heart, you know. And so I kind of watched that stuff. I watched a lot of like comedies and action movies, particularly. I watched Sylvester Stallone a little bit <laughs> as a kid, but eventually, as I got older, uh, kind of bumping ahead a little bit here. Um, I kind of watched sort of stuff that I was just like exposed to. And I think it was when I was in about six, actually I can trace it back to a specific thing. When I was in about fifth grade, um, I remember I kind of started kind of getting interested in my own movies. And I remember watching Fight Club because I remember seeing bits and pieces of it Ooh. when I was a little kid because my parents bought it and were watching it. And I remember for whatever reason, I put it on later when I was like in fifth grade and I finally watched the whole movie. I just remember being so drawn into it and so immersed in like the story and you don't know where it's going to go. And it's like so every man character you can kind of sympathize with. And you follow him through this journey and it has all these twists and turns and it just turns into this crazy thing. It's like, I don't know, I always kind of use that analogy with like Alice in Wonderland where you begin in a normal place, like kind of like a familiar place. And then at some point fall down the rabbit hole and end up in this crazy world. And I feel like Fight Club does that in a less fantastical way. And I was really drawn mm. into that. And as a result of loving that movie, I went back and finally re I watched Seven, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is the same director and Brad Pitt. And I was like, this movie's fucking great. And that actually... The literary references in that movie got me into Dante and uh, into like John Milton and stuff. I was like sixth grade. I didn't understand it so much, but I tried reading it. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that turned me onto like different sort of like pieces of literature and you know. Uh, I should I'll never get me and Souths are going to the library and like we find the we found the uh, what do you call them the uh, the black and yellow oh the cliff notes the cliff notes yeah because I saw them, like I saw them in seven and I was like holy fuck this is the shit you know I didn't get that Brad Pitt was reading them because he was too stupid to read the actual books. He's just leading me through yeah. the library. He's yeah. just leading me through the library and like that. Finally, he's like, oh, here they are. Right, this is the shit right here. This, yeah, this right, is what we yeah, gotta yeah. read. This is what we need to look at. Which, I mean, actually, at that age, it's perfect for me because it was like this overly simplified kind of breakdown of the book. So I can actually read that and kind of understand it as opposed to like, you know, this medieval poetry, which I didn't really fully appreciate until I was like late teens, early 20s probably, you know? So I was, I was like looking at all these clips and I was like, Salter uh, introduced a lot of things to me, but nonetheless, I was like, "Oh, so this is this is like this this rack right here is like the garden of, of the brains right yeah. here." Like, I mean, I, I mean, that's the yeah, the ironic thing is it was so stupid, but at the same time, it kind of it kind of was at that time because oh, yeah. it was a way to kind of get exposed to like all these different like pieces of like literature that I was too young to understand in a way that I could actually kind of contextualize, you know what I mean? In a way that I could actually like sort of understand them and kind of get into them, and uh, it did that for me. I got into Dante, and I, I and then after a certain point, like maybe. Half a year, year later, I would come in with the Cliff's Notes and I would also get the book and kind of start trying to page my way through it and understand it. You know, I remember reading, I think it was like two thirds of the Inferno or most of the Inferno in middle school because of like, you know, kind of laying out that groundwork. I mean, I don't, a lot of it was probably lost on me, but it was still like I appreciated some of it enough at least to stick with it for years. Um, but yeah, no, uh, so yeah, but, you know, that kind of, it was this sort of cross-pollination effect between literature and, uh, and movies. And uh, I remember getting into middle school and particularly in that period, uh, that's where I kind of like started to like really appreciate movies as an art form. And I think a lot of it had to do with kind of the groundwork being laid by like, you know, Seven and Fight Club and stuff like that. And uh, I kind of realized, because my dad started showing me different things. I remember 
vividly him showing me like the doors, the Jim Morrison, Oliver Stone movie. I remember seeing that in, like seventh grade or whatever and be like, what the fuck is going on? This is amazing, you know? And then I remember kind of detecting the fact that war movies and gangster films were like the most well-made. Like those are the most artful things that I knew to kind of to seek out. So I started uh, watching sort of like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, I think is the thing that started it because he did both Apocalypse Now mm. and The Godfather. I remember my dad sitting me down showing me The Godfather and then later Apocalypse Now and I was just completely obsessed with that movie. I was like, this is fucking amazing. And I was probably like seventh, eighth grade. And uh, in that same time, I watched Scarface, you know, and then I think uh, I probably watched Goodfellas somewhere in there. And uh, I remember seeing Taxi Driver, and you could say that it was kind of lost on me, but I, I watched it on AMC late at night because I used to, I had a lot of experiences where I was just up late at night and would then watch my movies and kind of indulge my, I don't know, my love for, for cinema kind of and kind of like explore it. And uh, with, you know, whatever, maybe I got the Blockbuster during the day or, you know, whatever movies we bought. And, uh, or I would just rate my parents' movie collection and just kind of see what looked good. But I remember watching uh, Taxi Driver, and it was probably pretty censored, but uh, I still kind of got the broad strokes of it. And I just remember watching it just being so caught up in it, just like, this is fucking, you know, like, what's going on? What is this guy doing? You know what I mean? And just being, like, so, like, kind of amazed by it. And uh, that was probably, no, I, I, that was maybe one of my first experiences with Scorsese, because then I remember seeing The Departed. It had to be either the same year or a year later, and I have, like, this really good memory of watching that with my brother and my mom. And that being like sort of a bonding experience, but then watching these movies with almost like morally ambiguous characters going on this like really, I don't know how to describe it, it's like this sort of journey, you know what I mean? Like this like psychological, spiritual journey of some sort, and there being a clear beginning and end. And it's like, I don't totally understand all the messages they're trying to get across yet, but there, I know there's something here, you know, and being really attracted to that. And so, I, you know, obviously I'm in middle school, so I get into Quentin Tarantino and watch Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and get all obsessed with those because the the dialogue and I'm like, Oh, what is this? This is also different, you know? And then, uh, the big thing I think was in about eighth grade, I got super into a clockwork orange. And the reason for that mm. was because I watched uh, tenacious D in the pick of destiny. At one point he's attacked in the park by basically the characters from a clockwork orange. It's like a parody. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so fucking <laughs> weird. And my dad being like, Oh yeah, it's from this movie, a clockwork orange. You know what I mean? It takes place in like the future. And it's like this dystopian thing. And it's these street kids, you know? Uh, beating the shit out of people and all sorts of horrible stuff. And I was like, well, I gotta see, I gotta see that. It's like very <laughs> weird, you know? And so I tracked that down. I like, I don't, I got like on this obsessive quest to just find it. And uh, I ended up uh, reading the book. Oh yeah. I read the book in middle school. Holy fuck. Yeah. I remember getting so into it. I remember I was frustrated and I almost wanted to throw it down at first because I was reading the first chapter in like eighth grade. And I'm like, I didn't understand all the weird slang and stuff but then i kind of like just forced myself i was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna get this and i, I kept reading it and i got into it and i just started understanding it and I, I read the book and watched the movie maybe a couple months later but uh so I, was I read it in eighth grade then yeah eighth or ninth because i remember people started kind of catching on like the next year well i read it after you basically yeah oh yeah, yeah okay i think i yeah i can't remember it was eighth or ninth grade that i read it though yeah but uh, yeah, I was, uh, I remember, yeah, reading that, just being so kind of caught up, it's just such a different thing, and then watching the movie, and just being aware of the fact, that, like, this is not like other things I've seen, you know what I mean, just kind of being able to identify that there was some, some, like, sort of, there was some sort of conscious intention behind this thing that was different from what I understood, because it's, like, very surreal, you get some bizarre images, he focuses on things that are very strange for long periods of time, get the weird zoom ins and zoom outs. People are behaving in a very surrealistic fashion. I was like, this is fascinating. And I remember that really opening up my mind to what movies could do. You know what I mean? Because I, I kind of went through these incremental steps. You know, I was watching like, you know, kids' movies, like action movies and comedies. 
And I kind of get to this point where I'm like looking at Fight Club and there's like this deeper message behind it. It's very engaging and the characters are very, uh, very much draw you in and like sort of the, uh, the gangster films where there's this really intense human drama going on, you know what I mean? And then I kind of got into like Clockwork Orange. I see like, the, I really kind of began to recognize like this sort of a tour like filmmaking style where there's like this real, I don't know, conscious artistry behind it. And uh, I remember watching that and that's kind of what got me into like his other movies. I started thinking about like, you know, 2001, I got to go see that. And, you know, Full Metal Jacket I also watched in uh, middle school, speaking of uh, war movies, uh, you know, being like sort of this form of high art, you know, <laughs> or at least to me at the time. Because um, I kind of identified these specific things where I'm like, okay, people make good movies in these genres. And uh, anyway, by the time I got into ninth grade, that's kind of like where I really started getting exposed to some great stuff. I remember seeing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Then he had a huge impact on me because, again, that was another crazy journey with a very specific group of people. The, the directing style was, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam, every movie, he like, makes his own world. You know what I mean? And I was just so drawn into that and into this uh, crazy side of life that I've never seen before. You know what I mean? And look, this perspective that I, I, I really don't see a lot of. And, you know, so I saw that and kind of as high school went on, I got into, you know, super into stuff like David Lynch, particularly. I think Stanley Kubrick kind of got me ready for that. And watching David Lynch made me want to be like, well, he does these things that are very surreal and very strange and abstract. Like, you know, what inspired him? And then I hear like, you know, Federico Fellini, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, I get eight and a half, you know, and I, I don't know. I remember seeing a lot of uh, great movies in that period. I also really liked movies about artists. Uh, one of my favorite movies from that time period that I go back to and watch again and again, and that I always loved. I remember I watched it probably, I don't know, two, three times a week when I was a teenager was a Basquiat and it was directed by Julian Schnabel, who was this uh, former painter uh, who knew Jean-Michel Basquiat and he directed a biopic on him. And he's got this very unusual directing style that I think kind of comes as a byproduct of having not been trained in like a traditional film discipline, having been a painter and coming at it from a completely different angle. He does things that I think uh, a lot of people who sort of have the rules hammered into them wouldn't think to do because they're kind of coming at it from this very disciplined, um, I don't know, educated kind of approach maybe, you know what I mean? And he's just, I don't know, has a completely different feel behind him. He didn't care about, I don't know, losing anything, you know what I mean? When he got into film, like he was already sort of a painter. So he was just like, I want to do, I'm going to do this because I want to do it because it's a different kind of art that I'd like to try out. And uh, so as a result, movies like Basquiat and uh, was it The Diving Bell and the Butterfly and At Eternity's Gate, his most recent one about Vincent Van Gogh, because they have this just unusual style that I really respond to. And it's very, uh, I don't know, it's very based in emotion and feeling and kind of, uh, I don't know, creativity. And I, I really, that really appeals to me. I think one of the biggest movies that I got into in high school was probably Basquiat. And it was just like the story of this average person who was literally living, I mean, not average, but somebody who was like living on the streets and then literally became like this like famous artist and kind of, you know, became seduced by his fame and then ended up becoming a drug addict and kind of spiraling out of control. And uh, kind of as a byproduct of being into that, you know, I saw like movies like The Basketball Diaries, Leonardo DiCaprio about Jim Carroll, who's another, New York based artist who had problems with drug addiction. Um, I don't know. I just started watching a lot of like really mature, really interesting stuff. And I, I guess in high school, it's kind of where it, I really keyed into the fact that uh, movies can be, I don't know, a very, uh, I, don't, I don't know, they can have a lot of depth and layer. They can have like the kind of depth and layer that I've seen in the literature that I was reading if you come at it from the right angle. And, uh, you know, I remember watching Naked Lunch, which was about the, it was the uh, Cronenberg adaptation of this William S. Burroughs book, you know, who's a beat writer. And I, I don't know, I just liked seeing things that came from like a really unusual direction like that, you know what I mean? And kind of having like, this like full, interesting arc with complex characters. And so I really isolated what I was into at that point. And I remember some of the movies that came out when we were in high school that had huge influence on me were like The Social Network. I remember it was another David Fincher movie, speaking mm -hmm. of Seven and Fight Club. Um, 
trying to think what else. I was at Midnight in Paris in theater, and I remember talking about this on a previous episode, what a son of a bitch Woody Allen is, but that movie, it's so hard to watch that out of my brain because it's just like, mm-hmm. it had such a profound impact on me because it was just this beautiful film. And I saw it when I was in high school towards the end of the year, me and Brandon saw it together in theaters. And it's just such a revelation to me because he was just talking about things that I cared about. And, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. And it was, it was this character who was a writer literally going back in time and meeting these people that I'm reading about that I wish I could have met and I could have lived in the same environment as them. And, you know, then he realizes that you know, this is romantic sort of thread of thought that makes you wish that you were in the past, but you're where you belong sort of more or less. And, you know, it's, it's looking at the world with rose colored glasses. And I don't know, it's a very beautiful movie to see. And uh, so, yeah, I liked that a lot. And then, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> Midnight. Oh, and I saw Tree of Life in high Tree school, life, too, yeah. the, the Terrence Malick movie. And I remember that was another <laughs> one where I was just like, it blew my mind. It was just so fucking weird. And I was just like, it's so cool that you can do that. And I, mean, I remember in high school, that's where like the abstract thought really kind of started to get, so you know, that really kind of got sewed into my brain. That you could do these strange, interesting things, you know, like watching David Lynch, watching Terrence Malick, uh, Stanley Kubrick to some degree, uh, even though he's like a little bit more sort of modulated. But like those two guys where they're like, they're coming at it from like this sort of abstract art perspective that it's seen in paintings, but with film. And I really appreciated that, you know, and anyway, and uh, yeah, so I saw things like that. And then, you know, I mean, after high school, there were other things that had like a huge impact on me. Like I remember uh, in the year after high school, I saw Children of God or uh, City of God. Uh, Brandon showed me that movie. I thought that was really, that was one of my favorite, it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and then uh, I think like a year or so after high school, um, I was like really sort of, depressed and alone kind of everyone had left town and I was the only one left and I was going to college and I was hating it and I kind of got to this point where I would like start going to the library every day and just sort of uh you know like reading books rather than going to class and I just like didn't know what I want to do with my life and I felt so like totally socially isolated and I ended up uh I remember I think at one point I got like a tax return or something and I just started buying criteria I don't know even what spurred me to do it but I started watching criterion movies um, that I would find at Barnes and Noble, and that's what got me into Akira Kurosawa because I got Seven Samurai, and I just thought it was this great movie. Mm. Like I watched it. I remember watching that movie and not wanting to watch movies for a couple of days because it was just so good and had such an impact. I mean, I loved it, and part of it was probably like fragile emotional state, and I'd gotten so kind of drawn into it. And I didn't really want to like live in the world, you know what I mean? Because I was like so sort of sad. Um, but yeah, Akira Kurosawa really affected me at that point. I saw a lot of his movies, and uh, that was kind of like when I was like nineteen or so, eighteen, nineteen. And, uh, yeah, and then throughout my twenties, like I got into more like foreign films and stuff like, uh, Andre Tarkovsky has made a huge influence on me in my twenties, particularly, um, you know, uh, I don't know where else to go with this, but I'm kind of like losing the plot, but, uh, yeah, like I say, we're just going to early forties. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, um, in my twenties, I've kind of sort of developed the same interests that I've had, particularly like as a teenager, like when things kind of really, I've kind of just sort of continued, uh, mm. I don't know, seeing things that have like really sort of, uh, I don't know, affect me in that, affect me in that way where, I don't know, there's like the sense of creative inspiration. It's, it's interesting looking back now at the way movies used to affect me as a little kid and then like, you know, sort of slightly older kid, you know, nine, 10, middle school, high school, and then how they affect me now. And it's, it's interesting. You do sort of become, I don't know, as you get older and get more experience with the world, you do develop this almost just like sort of unavoidable, uh, like I don't know like skin like you know over overlaying skin of like cynicism and so it becomes a little bit harder to see things that really impact you really affect you in that same way because when you're a little kid you've only been alive for literally a couple of years so you're watching a movie and you're just drawn into the experience and you just feel it you know what I mean you just you know what I mean it's like it feels like I don't know you're living in another world almost mm-hmm. like a parallel world you get a little bit older 
they still have that effect, but it's like dulled a little bit to like an extent that maybe is healthier, but you know, <laughs> like you get a little bit older and, but they still change your life when you watch them. I remember just like watching Taxi Driver alone in the middle of the night, possibly, you know, in middle school too. I was like miserable in middle school because I moved across town and uh, lost all my, I mean, lose them, but like I was no longer in school with any of my friends and I had gone from the side of town I was familiar with to this, you know, like sort of rich kid side of town, like on the west side, you know, after my parents moved and I was just, you know, I was in there for like two years. I just fucking, felt horrible like I felt like every every day I was going in everyone around me was like almost like a threat like it was just another uh opportunity to sort of be like kind of made fun of or ridiculed or humiliated or to be just kind of given or even just sort of like given sort of like a a cold shoulder you know what I mean just kind of like you know when I would try to talk to somebody and they just be like you know yeah, fuck off kind of thing like what the fuck are you talking you know what I mean just kind of having to deal with that same that kind of shit that a lot of kids deal with but then also being like really awkward, just having been into movies and books and stuff like that, being kind of like, you know, into like writing and things, you know, and then trying to kind of translate that and find a group of people, you know, so I was like throughout middle school, like it got a little bit better and I got some people I could talk to, but for the most part, I felt really alone the whole time. And then there I am, seventh, eighth grade, like in the middle of the night watching Taxi Driver alone, you know what I mean? Just trying to like sort of connecting to this character who like, you know, not to that extreme, obviously, but he just felt totally alone in his environment. Like everyone around him was like, almost like a threat to him, you know what I mean? And it's just like, he felt with this like sense of just like existential loneliness and just kind of, uh, he was just lost in the world. And like, I just, and I'm really connecting with it and then just being shocked at the end when it just becomes a complete fucking psycho. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, holy shit. Like, what is it? You know what I mean? And then just having to deal with that, you know what I mean? Like, fuck, like I was on his side. You know what I mean? Like, even like to like, to, you know, really far into the game too. It's like, oh, he's gonna kill this fucking pimp who's, you know, turning out Jodie Foster as a child prostitute. He's gonna do all this shit. It's gonna be like the Punisher. Like, I, I, I can get down with that. Like, you know what I mean? But then at the end, you're just like, oh shit, he's the fucking monster here. Like, there are definitely other monsters around him because he's kind of gone into that world, but he's the fucking, he's the, the monster. He's just gonna do it again. You know what I mean? If he gets the chance and it's just like, fuck. You know, and it's, uh, I don't know, movies have such a profound effect on you and they help cultivate your interest too. Because I was watching Basquiat and I was like, this guy, I don't know, went from being nothing to sort of developing not only like, you know, agency in the world, but fame and fortune for his art, for just expressing himself and being who he was. And obviously it killed him in the end because he got just absorbed by that fame, but it was like, but still watching it, watching his art going up and everything and be like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember watching this uh, biopic with Ian Curtis called Control when I was in ninth grade. You know, it was directed by Anton Corbin. And it was the same thing where it's like this character starts like me, just as like a teenager, you know, at that time. And is able to, I don't know, use literally his voice and like his words and everything like that and kind of become something you know, as a result. And uh, I don't know, it kind of probably speaks to like my mental state at the time that, you know, both of these people ended up basically killing themselves. But, you know, I sorted that out later. <laughs> I, I lost my attraction to that part of it as I got older. But, uh, but still, uh, just the fact that they were able to become something, even though the fact that they died, they still had they were still able to express who they were in a creative way and impact people. You know what I mean? I kind of had a kind of dark obsession with that as a teenager for a little while, you know, getting into a little bit too much detail, but uh, you know, like I was obsessed with like Kurt Cobain and people like that, but just the fact that they were able, even though they died trying, the fact that they were able to sort of take what they did creatively and turn it into something that was meaningful to other people and that was even beneficial to other people. And it was like something beautiful. Like it really meant a lot to me, you know what I mean? As a, as a teenager who was just like, completely fucked up like all the time you know what I mean just like feeling horror you know what I mean just kind of through these peaks and valleys and uh I don't know the more I watch movies the more I kind of they help me realize that I don't know there are other people like me and that's 
I could kind of express myself creatively in a way that I don't know people would enjoy and that I would enjoy doing and I don't know communicate sort of that just sense of inner strangeness you know so and kind of get somewhere with it but I feel like I'm kind of rambling now but yeah that's basically my background with movies <laughs> as, a, as a kid a youth <laughs> yeah no it definitely influenced uh, other tastes because like we were saying a little bit during or as Michael likes to point out especially uh a lot of our music tastes especially me and Salazar a lot of our music tastes have came from movies uh <laughs> songs we've heard from movies and just that that is like a spilling place for yeah or I would love movies because of the music, like I would listen to Joy Division and be like, oh, I gotta watch this movie. Yeah. And Curtis, you know what I mean? It like went both ways. Yeah. It's like this cross pollination with all the arts. Um, I wanted to comment on that. And then, so I guess me, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll talk, I'll do some movie talk. Uh, it's funny, I really, I was, I've been looking forward to saying this from the beginning, but I wanted to like say it when we got to my part. Where you pointed out Digimon, <laughs> the Pokemon, Pokemon the first movie was one of my first, I feel like, uh, I was very aware of how obsessed I was with it. I remember I would be uh, in like a big old t-shirt in my underwear, just in my living room, <laughs> watching that movie over and over and over again uh, when it came out. And I, it's also funny that you mentioned the soundtrack because again, that was one of the soundtracks I owned. And then I like, was very aware of like those weird little pop songs of like all these different artists. I didn't even question yeah. that shit when I saw it in theaters. I saw the first Pokemon movie and the other tears turning away from stone. And I was like, Nothing has predicated this in the entire series, but I, I'm like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm on board. <laughs> I was 100 yeah. percent on board during that scene where they're talking about not doing violence and everything yeah. like that, and then like immediately they have changed their mind about that or whatever. Uh, they literally forget that they learned that lesson because Mewtwo wipes their memory. It's a good fix. Yeah, like, <laughs> they like they like realize that animal animal abuse is wrong and then just forget it. <laughs> like, but uh. That was, um, it wasn't necessarily my first movie, but the first movie I was ever, like, very consciously obsessed with. Um, mm-hmm. the soundtracks, I, I was really into that whole thing. But I think prior to that, the, the first movie I can really think about that comes to mind that I watched very continuously, without really not recognizing that I was obsessed with it, but just because it was so, I guess it was so available, and because it was so available, and my family I was also really into it, it didn't feel necessarily as niche. But Star Wars. Oh yeah, I forgot to, I forgot to mention the Star Wars and the yeah. Raiders and stuff like that. Star Wars is definitely a cornerstone. I remember watching episodes six specifically a lot, but all four, five, and six, I watched a ton. I'd be at my aunt's house, laying on her bed, watching it, and um, definitely one of the early on movies where I just got really, really into. Uh, the hobby, obviously, it's the hero journey thing. The lightsabers is fucking cool, especially at that young age. I remember just watching and really loving all of that. I remember being incredibly excited for episode one. And young Brandon Salas did not care about the neg- uh, some neg- negative elements of episode one. I loved episode one through and through at that age. Uh, I had the Pod Racer and uh, N64 game. I had a Darth Maul themed birthday party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely was really into Star Wars very, very early on. That was, I, I literally can't like, think of life without Star Wars. That doesn't really occur. I feel like a two or three. I was already watching those movies. So, side note, it, what uh, episode one is like? I've seen that movie a lot of times at, compared to all of them. Mm-hmm. It's the first Star Wars movie I saw, and I still haven't seen four, five, and six. <laughs> but I've seen one and three. One and three, not two. <laughs> I don't I mean, remember two. Two is horrible. So. <laughs> 
two was pretty bad. I had trouble getting through that. I remember as a kid, um, I remember like starting it a couple of times and like sort of being confused as what was going on. And I just couldn't pay attention. And I was like, it's kind of sucks. Yeah. I, 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 I personally will, because I maybe it's a nostalgia factor. I don't hate on one nearly as much as a lot of people do. Um, I like the racing. I like the goofier elements. I'm, a, I'm very okay with one. I mean, that was a very young cornerstone for me. So I was into one. I still don't mind three, two, meh. But uh, definitely Mass. Uh, Mass is definitely one of those early ones. I don't even know when I first watched Mass. I just remember watching it a crap ton. I played that VHS over and over and over again. Hilarious movie. And I, that was one of those movies that I um, moved forward to bonding with my dad. Uh, kind of touchback. There's definitely that, uh, that that still happens in this uh, journey as well. As far as me, how I had with music, where my dad came to my life and there was cornerstone movies of that, uh, cornerstone music to that um, with movies, The Mask, Awesome Powers, and actually in a way Shrek because that came out the year I was living in California, and then Emperor's New Groove as well. Uh, Emperor's New Groove mm-hmm. was one of the uh, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. In theaters, that was one of my in theaters experiences where I, I just remember laughing and laughing and being. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I remember I was so excited when I finally got that VHS. I my mom worked at a uh, like a lingerie store, but like one of those not like Victoria's Secret, more of those casual like, hey, I need a, a functional bra lingerie stores. Um, and uh, she was working there. I remember we went and picked up McDonald's. We had the VHS. She had to work, so she sat me down in her back room, and I was in the back room surrounded by all these mannequins. I ate a cheeseburger and watched Emperor's New Groove. That was the greatest thing ever. I, uh, I was so like, I was so okay with everything in that scenario. Um, Emperor's New Groove was really wonderful. Uh, I remember one of the, also the really earlier, more serious movies uh, that grabbed my attention for multiple reasons. It was a, one of my earlier adventure movies, and. The fact that it had also this really intensely creepy element, The Mummy. I really loved The Mummy. I remember seeing the end theater as well, actually. It was with my Aunt Janet and my mom. And I remember that I, I was loving it. I was obsessed. I was like, I, I was just so immersed in it. But at the same time, I was, certain things would terrify me. Like the, somewhat the Beatles, like um, the scarabs going underneath the skin. But then also, for whatever reason, specifically the chanting, the emo, I would, I'd, I'd be really freaked out. And my, like, my aunt and my mom were like, you, do you want to leave? Do you want to leave? Like, and like, I, they cover my eyes during those scenes. Like, no, no. Like, I, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm gripping under my arm. But like, I have to watch. I need to know what happens. <laughs> um, see how they get out of this. Yeah, I really. Uh, nice. I remember, like, I, I, I say it through the whole movie, and I, I watched it, even though I was freaked out. Um, and then, really, yeah, as far as Disney goes, Hercules. I, I loved all of them, but I think Hercules is probably my number one. Oh, yeah. um, the isn't the Disney rack? I, I could watch that one over and again. And again, that was one where I even participated very much. It probably helped that it came the out. Soundtrack. The soundtrack. Everything. And soundtrack. The, the, I had the, the shoes. The narrator ladies. Yeah, the narrator. Hercules. <laughs> I had the uh, I had the McDonald's uh, cup. That was like the cups from the the movie. Uh, I was very into Hercules. That was a big, a really big deal for me as well. And then uh, I remember one of the other Star Series movies. I remember one of a, a, a bigger movie that even I'm impressed with because I watched a Titanic at like age four or five. Um, it was just mm. me and my mom watching it, and it came out. I was like, I think we watched it on VHS, not um, not in theaters. 
But I remember that always stands out to me because I sat through the whole thing. I was very, I was very engaged the whole thing. And then I was also very blown away with the, uh, the momentarily nude, nude scene. And definitely that was a, a takeaway because I think that was my first nude scene. I was like, what just happened? I looked over my mom, like, did she wear that just happened? I feel like she was just ignoring it. Like she was just like, <laughs> that didn't happen. Those were really exciting. As kid. <laughs> I remember I was oh, like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> whoa, what just happened? I remember with like Titanic, I think the first Terminator too. Just like, there's a couple of movies where I was like, whoa, boobs. <laughs> like I remember like having, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that Titanic. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a great movie. It was good. Oh, dude, that fucked me up so hard when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio died. I was, I was a little kid. <laughs> And like I had only seen the first half of it for the longest time, and then like and I, like almost like incrementally, like my parents, my parents watched it a lot when it came out. Like, this is a good movie, mm. and I remember I was I don't know, like I'd seen it a couple times and like started it and then never quite finished uh-huh. it. And I remember when I finally got to the point where I discovered that Leonardo DiCaprio fucking dies. Spoiler alert! It's just like <laughs> like it just it just ruined me. I was like, did you oh. cry? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I, I fucking cried. At the end of Mortal Kombat 2, uh, because Johnny Cage died in the beginning of the movie, and I was like, oh, "My favorite character was the same actor. What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, I cried a lot as a little kid. I still, I, I cry in movies pretty yeah. heavy. What yeah, I, mean, I, 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 um, I got angry when uh, Leonardo, Leonardo. Oh yeah. Died. This is I bullshit. was like, "Get on the fucking plank, <laughs> yeah. Leonardo." And, and then you just realize, and you get to a moment where you realize he's not going to see him, and just, your heart sinks, and it's just like the acceptance, you see him go down, it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it, there was a, definitely a, a black hole in my heart, because it's like, you <laughs> yeah. fight so hard to live, and then you die. You try so hard and get so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter, you know? Yeah, the movie stood out just because it was so long, and I never had, I had no issues sticking through that entire movie. I was very much like... Yeah, we gotta keep watching. We gotta keep watching. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Another one I don't know when I watch uh, Jurassic Park and both Indiana Jones. Jurassic Park. I, I I know I saw this at a really young age. I know I saw it at a really young yeah. age too. So like, it's very just aware of it. Yeah. Jurassic Park and Raiders, dude. I fucking oh my god, I loved Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah, I really did. Same. Like I don't know when I the exact moments I watch either of those. I just remember they're always one of those movies I have to go like revisit. I would just and then more so when I actually I didn't own Indiana Jones. A big thing I realized with Salvatore's talking was uh, a, a jumper for me and the Salvatore is I didn't have the, the blockbuster access. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side of it, my parents actually had access. Um, they did. They're one of those people who started on Netflix back when it started. Literally, the year 2000, we had Netflix. And that was, you know, it was all DVDs and you, wow. get, you, you order, you put it, um, you order, you make a list of DVDs and. You had a queue. Um, as you return them, they'd ship out and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I always remember the phrase, uh, well, add it to the queue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, there's plenty of movies I always wanted to watch. And again, it wasn't, I was realizing all this as he was talking because I wasn't able to rent it through Blockbuster because my parents would, wouldn't would be like, why would we rent it through Blockbuster? We have the Netflix service, so just add it to the queue. And that add to the queue mentality mm-hmm. always bothered me because it just takes so long. I'd have to wait for their like, next five movies to go through and then it'd be my movie. And by that point, it'd be like months from now. I don't know. I just, the whole thing bugged me. So I, I never, I didn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have, like, the same reason I tried Gamefly when I was younger too. Same thing. I, I canceled it pretty quickly because I was like, I want to play something now. I don't want to play something a week from now. I definitely like that part <laughs> of it for sure. Yeah. So um, I didn't have the, uh, I, had, I wasn't able to watch any new movie I wanted. However, because of Netflix, my parents watching continuously new movies, I still got around a decent bit of a whole bunch of variety of movies. Mm. Uh, 
because I'd always sit down and watch it though. And so, uh, like, I do remember watching The Doors and uh, from a, same, about the, had to be the same about the same time period, yeah, but that was through Netflix. I remember talking about it and we were just like, dude, yeah. they were like fucking high making that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Austin Powers again, that was the one with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that he, so what my dad used to do, he watched it like, well, he sort of watched it like crazy. What he did was, that was his going to sleep movie. He, he he's like, have his, <laughs> he'd like, need to watch a little something right before we went to bed to kind of like, like shut his brain down. And so he'd just like have a timer for the VHS, play 15 minutes of it. And by, by the time the 15 minutes is over, he's asleep. Dude, when the second one came out, it was such a big deal to people my father's age. Like, I just remember my dad and my, my dad's cousin, who's about the same age, like, at a party in, like, the late 90s at, like, a fa- family member's house, and them just gushing over how much they loved Austin Powers, too. <laughs> it was so good. So that was one I got, like, just, I was watching plenty because of that. And then another really early comedy for me that I just loved was Shane High Noon. And it was a great movie. That was one that me and South were yeah. later on heavily bond over. Yeah, I got mold poisoning, and I remember you putting that movie on. It just made me feel better. Like I felt like I was in second grade again, and like it just, I, I got like like bad. Like I, I wasn't. I mean, I don't think I was dying, but I was like, I remember just like being super. Like I got like so delirious and fucked up and threw up, and I was like vomiting, you know. Mm. And uh, yeah, I remember Brandon Fennett, like towards the end of it, Brandon Fennett Shanghai knew and he had to go to work or something. It's like when we first became roommates, I was just sitting on the floor like. Oh, thank God, it feels so much better. <laughs> like, almost like on the verge of tears because, like, I felt like I was going to die almost. Like, I was just so fucked up. And then, like, Shanghai Noon was on. I was like, I feel so much better. Yeah, that was a movie that just killed. I don't know. It was, it was hilarious. I love the action sequences. Everything about it was just so satisfying. Um, I watched a whole bunch during that time period. Again, like, a lot of it I just collected in this general space. Um, I know I watched bits, tiny bits and big pieces of Godfather while my parents watched it, but that was like a, I feel like that was probably, it's probably when I had friends. So when I had, I was much more like, well, I want to hang out with them and not necessarily sit down and watch a movie. So I only watched like tiny pieces. My parents sat me down to watch the guy. We like watched it as a family as though it were like an Italian <laughs> like rite of passage or something. I remember I was like probably like six or seven, maybe it was even earlier. I don't know, but we like we sat down like we're gonna watch The Godfather and I was like oh okay and then I remember just sitting there and I was like this is amazing like I feel so warm and happy doing this <laughs> yeah Shrek and Shrek Two both left impressions Shrek Two especially I actually really love Shrek Two to be honest but I do remember Shrek coming out you know being a whole big deal um, in the world and uh, then I guess kind of moving forward so a lot of my a lot of these I've seen a lot of what Salvatore scenes Salvatore came by smashing my life. Uh, hey, I'm looking at the, like your notes and I'm just seeing things I completely forgot to mention that like yeah that are like hey, all... it's okay you give me something to talk about no that's true yeah right yeah yeah no I just like yeah yeah because it sounds like I wanted to you cover all of this yeah uh, <laughs> he uh, so like he, I guess he's like the first time I had experience of having more access to movies outside of my parents movies. I showed you outside of my parents too, list right after I saw it yeah yeah like. I mean, you can like Fight Club, uh, Donnie Darko, like sixth graders. Fight Club, Donnie Darko, Requiem for a Dream, Predators, Aliens, all things that uh, directly related to Salvatore introducing me, uh, and all those movies I really love and all um, definitely affected me. Uh, I definitely really enjoyed Donnie Darko. That's like a thing. Every time I stay over, I just bring over another movie, and mm-hmm. we're watching this tonight. It's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was always just a different movie that I, I again I didn't have access to, and. Uh, a big one of those for me that's uh, Kevin, the whole Kevin Smith in general being introduced to. 
uh, he brought over, I don't even know, probably It clerks. had to be Clerks too, because, or maybe it was Clerks. It might have been Clerks. I remember in, I was probably in eighth grade and my parents rented that. Mm. And I remember watching it just being really affected by it. Because that was the first one I ever saw. And because I mean, I was, oh no, no, actually no, that's that's, that's wrong. Uh, Dogma, my parents loved Dogma when it came out. Mm. We saw it on Comedy Central, I saw bits and pieces of it. So I knew Jay and Silent Bob a little bit. I knew it was this kind of, interesting like religious comedy thing but Clerks 2 is the first one in fact we've done I remember just not even having seen the first one but watching the second one I'm being like this is so fun and so like, there's so much heart yeah and I remember thinking I remember just being so affected by it thinking that they had so much fun making it that there was so much love put into it that I ended up watching all the special features just to see mm. what happened and when it went into it and I was like really gratified to see that that seemed to be the case because Kevin Smith's just this warm dude who's always working with his friends and I showed it to Brandon I was like we gotta do this we gotta do something like this yeah and then which, it just opened up the world which was a nice little moment to also take the opportunity to touch in something that Salter didn't take the chance to touch into he's also very much so the one who brought over a video camera and started that, um, started that. I didn't have access to a video camera. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't think about it because I had a video camera. It was my grandpa's old camcorder. Yeah. I got a new one. He got like, he had this giant 90s one. Like your dad thought it was hilarious when he saw it. It's like a rocket launcher. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you recorded like, literally on the VHS. VHS tapes. Yeah. They go inside. It's like, yeah, it's like ridiculous. And uh, my grandpa got like one of the small, reasonable ones in like the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, just gave us that one. Like, <laughs> like this is mine now. Yeah. And, and uh, like, you know, there was no editing. It was literally, we had to hit. You yeah. three, two, one, action. Also hit record. Yeah, that was fucking great. I love that. <laughs> and then like yeah. cut, cut, like yeah. at the same time. And then like hopefully, and we had to set the camera in one place because we were always the all the actors. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully like it pieced together something that made sense. It's like we had a tripod. We yeah. were just like literally. Yeah, no, we just set it on things, and we uh, drew in our friend Michael Brown to be in things with yeah. us and to play parts. It was pretty fucking great. And we were we were trying to recreate scenes and doing small stupid things. Uh, that definitely. Uh, we were doing YouTube videos before they existed because you, me, and Michael Brown would just do skits on those VHS <laughs> yes. tapes that lasted, you know, thirty seconds to two minutes, and just move on to the next yeah. thing. We were doing YouTube before YouTube existed, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we did a huge variety of those. Um, I feel like, yeah. So Kevin Smith was a big one. We got really into that. We started pouring a lot of that. I wouldn't necessarily say that was quite the. Um, big thing that made me realize I could make stuff. I was like, oh, we, start, we started using it as an influence for the stuff that we were making, for sure. Yeah, oh, I was totally, I mean, for at least, I mean, not a long period of time. It was probably seemed longer in retrospect, but I do remember writing just straight up Kevin Smith type Oh, yeah. About, like, people, like... Very much so. Yeah, we were, like, yeah, yeah, like, we were, goal. like, probably, like, 13 or 14, but I was writing us as though we were in our 20s. <laughs> and, like, we were, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and it had, like, the Kevin Smith dialogue, and it was just, like, these, like, quippy... It was, like, basically, like, a... It had a plot usually, but it was I'm pretty sure like, our entire WTF was basically it. It basically like, was. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be just basically like it was just a collection of gags basically that I made into a story, and I would just have humorous dialogue, usually about sex, and just like just crude, crass humor that I hadn't didn't really have any firsthand experience <laughs> yet. I was like, oh yeah, like when you're like fucking like this, like on the front, you know, <laughs> just like, and I was like trying to write these Kevin Smith jokes, but I hadn't even lived a life yet. I was in like eighth grade, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And that was like the time period where. Uh, <laughs> I got myself, uh, well, so we did this one video in particular, right, this wedge this whole time period. That was my first, like, aha, I could do this for, like, a living. Um, it blew my mind. I, I, I just, it, um, it, it was something simple. We just did this chase video. I think I, I think it's one of the few that videos was so you can still find on the internet. Fun. Yeah, no, that was when YouTube existed. Because then, yeah. as soon as the platform, like, because that's, you got a new digital camera. Well, we actually posted that one on MySpace first. Oh, did we? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, the, the, the format, like the viral video yeah. format came about, and then we started doing that. Yeah, me, Brandon, and Michael Brown, because I was like, oh, we kind of dragged him into it. Mostly me and Brandon were like the, the brains behind yeah. the operation. 
but uh, we would, you know, pull in Michael Brown, and basically literally the whole thing was I turned on the Xbox, the Xbox 360, the red ring of death comes on, meaning it's broken, and uh, the whole thing is Michael Brown comes in, he's pissed, and then he chases me for like three <laughs> minutes, and then at the very end he just punches me in the face and calls me a dick, and then I like drop in an alley. It was great. Hey, a little precursor, like, I, I was on kind of an off move that day. Those day I called 911 back there, right? I don't think it was. I think that was a while beforehand. I think we were a lot younger. I don't know. Something, something like, weird this was, happened this was like where ninth, tenth grade by the time that came about. Something benign happened where I was in this kind of funk uh, while we were hanging out. Yeah. And then they were like, kind of like egging me on, like let's get, like, let's get the going. And then suddenly, I don't know. I kicked it in. Yeah. We like shot the whole thing. I got really involved. We literally edited it like two hours afterwards. We had Michael Brown. He did martial arts. So Michael Brown was sort of like a <laughs> jack of all trades. And uh, we had, at one point when I'm chasing him, I throw down a garbage, uh, like one of the garbage, uh, the, the ones with the wheels. I throw that down. It was Brandon's parents, obviously, and I keep running. And then Michael Brown could just run right around it because it's an obstruction that's all of like about three feet. But instead, he jumps over it and dodge rolls. And we get that from multiple angles. We yeah. just had to do it four times. It was pretty great. We had him do like four, yeah. like four or five times. I just got it from all these different angles. Yeah. And then we're like, it was it was a really fun experience. We were editing and we put this whole thing together. So All good. on Movie Maker, mind you. Yeah. Uh, Windows Movie Maker, if you haven't experienced terrible software. Yeah. Oh, it was shitty. You and had to our, save, truly save constantly because it just crashed. And it, it recorded on the tiny DVDs about this big, and we needed to rip those with the programs. So we just got a free one from the internet, and it caused these like weird streaks anytime there was movies. Which I know are. It was like a frame issue. It and was a frame issue? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that, that helps. We were basically. We just did it anyway. We were like, fuck it. We want to. I don't know why I go into like a Beavis voice every time I go into like myself at like 14 making movies, but I don't actually, it's hard for me. I've been trying to think about this whole time. I'm trying to pinpoint there's an important movie that came up um, during my teenage years. You saw the girl next door. Before, before, I didn't even like say the words yet. Before, yeah, before, before we did that video. And I know that because you used the twilight zone as the music, the nineties techno uh, song. Okay, and it was cool. in that movie that was in the chase. Video, so that, that, yeah. that, that was definitely a big influence in that. Yeah. So he, he took my light by fire for me. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I remember on the early, 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 early version of Hulu, where it was still kind of this free thing, um, I was scrolling on it, and I saw The Girl Next Door. I remember seeing ads for that in other, in other movies, and it didn't look good. But I won't lie to you. Brandon Salas was like, hmm, but there might be some nudity in this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, thus I put it on. And then you showed me about it. I sat there. Yeah. I sat there in my, my uh, in the computer room, and I just watched the entire thing. And I was just riveted. I was. I loved it. I was. I was. I had no idea what I was, what I was going into it because I thought it was kind of, I was going to be a bad movie. And I fell in love with it. I was by myself, and uh, and, and I just watched the entire thing. And so, kind of thing with Kevin Smith is he talks a lot about uh, Slacker, which is a movie that inspired him, and and Clerks is that things kind of same thing for a lot of other people, but. I don't know, for some reason that didn't necessarily click that time period, but watching The Girl Next Door had a profound impact on me because it was this movie that it was, it, had, it was a comedy, it had a lot of heart, and it was about th uh, three like really close friends, and then three legs of a tripod, yeah, yeah. and it's just it, it intensely relatability. It was a high school movie. Bob O'Reilly became our like, yeah, youth song. It did. It was like, yeah, between you and me and Michael for a little while. And that movie, like, it... It just seemed so possible. The storyline didn't—it seemed very doable. I was like, that storyline makes sense to me. I could have made that movie. Like all of it was happening. It was, like there's small continuity errors. The characters—it just felt so obtainable. It felt so real. It felt so close, and it was funny, and it had a lot of heart, and it had all these different emotions. It's so relatable too, because you're watching a movie, 
you know, you know, not on a big screen that if you're watching on a fucking computer screen in your dad's office, but uh, <laughs> it, you know, technically on a big screen and a big public, you know, format. Domain. It was just about like these like fucking like nerdy kids, yeah, who like didn't fit in, and they were like making fun of like all the stereotypes in their high school that were like, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Like I didn't realize that like. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I didn't realize that we had any voice, right? And know? it just had a profound, yeah, had a really profound impact. I love yeah. that movie. That was like my movie that made me think I can make this. I can do these. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sometime yeah. in the near, same time period, this is also where I perceive. I watched a couple different movies, so I can't. Re- Otherwise. You showed me the girl next door too because I remember you pulled me to the office. Yes. Uh, like I came over like a week later and I was like, I watched this movie. It's on Hulu and it's free. And I was like, that doesn't sound good. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, it's the girl next door. And he was talking about how we went to watch it initially because you told me that very thing. It's like, I'm not going to lie. I was like looking for nudity. And then I was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's the thing that like drew me in initially. And then I was watching it. I was like, this is a good movie. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, boys. Yeah, yeah, we were like 15. Yeah. And then, uh, I actually also watched on the flip side of things um, in the same time period through YouTube. So imagine that through YouTube. Back in the good old days before they got sued and bought out by Google. But back in the low quality days where the quality was also terrible. Yeah. And you had to watch it in like. like 240p? Yeah. And you had to watch it in like 15 parts because of like legal. Well, not even because of legal reasons, because of a 10 limit minute limit. Who did I do that with? And Uh... so I watched. 2001 A Space Odyssey, and despite all those limitations, I really loved it. I know, right? You were telling me that. It's like, you want to watch 2001 A Space Odyssey on YouTube? I was like, what? <laughs> I watched it. I watched all the parts, and like, again, like it really is like the worst format for that movie. Uh, there's a joke meme that goes around <laughs> like how Christopher Nolan attended, and like it's like a, var- a variety of ways that you shouldn't watch a movie, like a, cell- a small cell phone or these different things watching uh, Dunkirk. Yeah. That's like very much 2001 Space Odyssey. Whichever uh, is meant for the big screen. It's like this like really short interview with David Lynch. It's like 30 seconds. It's like this like little video on the internet. I remember seeing it back in high school. And it's like you can't watch a fucking movie on a telephone. What kind of stupid fucking question is it? And it's like in a studio. It's obviously like set up. Like it has him saying that. But he's just pissed off about the idea of watching a movie on a telephone. This is David Lynch. And he's from the 50s. And uh, I really love that movie. That definitely also had an impact on the bigger thinking movies. Even though it was definitely more abstract it didn't have like this perfect narrative necessarily but the images and really grasped me and then <laughs> they grasped me even more because eventually i'd go on to actually finally watch in blu-ray i went basically from youtube 2240p to blu-ray quality and the blue I, I my mind melted at that blu-ray quality i was like how are these images so beautiful dude blade runner as well i had a similar i remember 2001 and blade runner i remember just watching this movie just being enveloped by experience what, what I, oh yeah i was gonna say earlier and then i like lost my train of thought was like Movies affect you differently as you age, obviously. Mm. But when the movies do crack through the surface as an adult and reach you in that way, it is so fucking rewarding when you when you find that again yeah. as an adult. It's just like, oh, and like seeing a movie like that, you know, in your twenties, it can still have that, you know, in your twenties as though I'm fucking, you know, uh, decrepit. But like still, like as like an adult, like I don't know, something like this. And those movies can do that to you still. And so, yeah, that's really beautiful. Without a doubt, David Fincher has a huge impact throughout the entire thing. I'm like. A, yeah. a, his movies were coming out during our time, our growing up. Do you remember seeing the social network with you? And despite the fact that it was basically a caution, it was another one. Of those, I fucking took a lot of cautionary tales growing up as a kid and just like absorbed them. Like, yes, that is going to be my life. <laughs> I, fucking, I like not only wanted to like make it, but then I wanted to just like just fall tragically. Yeah, and I was like, yes, that'll be the complete cycle. Like, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, watching the social network, I remember me and you went and saw in the theater together, and I remember just like that being like a powerful thing. Yeah. You know, they end up hating each other. They build this thing together. 
you know what I mean? They're like in their little dorm, like nerds, and they build this thing, and then they end up hating each other at the end and everything. But it was still something about it, like that, <laughs> that the soundtrack. Was just together. Like, yes, we can reach the world. We can but, become something. With even adventure movies, like they're so stylized, they just leave such a massive impact. I feel like they just that just poured the idea of style in my head. The fact that there was these, yeah. these colors that weren't used commonly in movies, like the ugly green. Because green is pretty hideous most of the time on film. But he like did a really great job of just using that ugliness and putting it all over Fight Club and these different movies and this, this really industrial so. look. And then obviously his partnerships with Trent Reznor for kind of soundtracks and really enhance industrial Dude, vibes. I no, I watching that movie with his just visual style and Trent Reznor's music. I think that was the first one they worked together. Yeah. On. And I just remember like being in the theater, just as like a kid being. Like, it, just, it was like a perfect friend, and, and that's probably what got. I think that might have been the kick that got us making our film in twelfth grade. We mm-hmm. want to do like this like short like forty five minute like Lynchian fucking movie, yeah. and I think that's like really what kicked it off. Like, we have to build something, Brandon. We have to do something to show them that we're fucking a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Definitely loved Fight Club and Seven and all those movies. Yeah. It was just. It's just oozing with style. And we saw a girl with the dragon tattoo, 2011, during the winter in Colorado. Yeah. Like when your parents moved up there, and we were just it was like this snowy environment. We were watching it, just totally absorbed by it. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Shut, shut up, Sal. Okay, <laughs> shut up, Riggs. Uh, oh yeah, and then obviously I mentioned Die Dark. Well, those earlier, um, like teenage influences, and it's hard, it's hard to watch that movie at that age and not feel completely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just again super stylized, super involved with the soundtrack. I think that's something that both. I feel like it's something that, in general, filmmakers relate to early on is uh, music. Me, me, when they use actual songs that are um, really good songs and tie it really well to a movie, I feel yeah. like that's like, something that everybody Yeah, dude, Donnie Dark, well, I mean, again, like, Donnie Dark, I was just watching that in, like, ninth grade again, and it was like, someone understands my feelings. <laughs> fucking dark. <laughs> like, it was just, like, the same. Um, uh, oh, and then all, that's when Christopher Nolan started really popping up, and Dark Knight, and all those yeah, movies. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Dark Knight and Tropic Knight? Oh, yeah. Same year. Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, Dark Knight. I mean, yeah, dude, that I I got okay. I was watching that movie. I remember like because you were working at like Market Street when we were in high school, and I remember like I was just hanging out at your house for a while, like for a couple hours before I left, and uh, I was just in your room. And I remember you had the Dark Knight, and I was watching it, and I genuinely got misty. Like I got like a little teared up, and then it was during the scene where like I think Harvey Dent is like getting derailed and whatever, not because it was like making me sad, but just because it was so fucking beautiful. Because I was like a really big Batman fan and a really big film fan. And I was like, who could have thought that someone could have, could have brought this out of the material? Like, this is just, like, fucking it's so beautiful. It's just so perfect. Like, I was literally crying at how good the I movie was. I was blown was. away. Yeah. Yeah. That movie was, like, really impactful. Um, one of my, I think, my, one of my, towards the end of, and it was definitely senior year because that was when my house was starting to empty out. Um, I moved right in 2011 to Arizona after graduation. Uh but Good, Bad, and the Ugly, that oh, was fuck, yeah. a movie I was like, mm. oh, visually that over blown tonight. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. It was my brother had the DVD, and I watched it after playing Red Dead. Well, it was Blu-ray for whatever reason, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I, was, I remember watching it and being like, oh, fuck. And then, I, and then after, as a result, I watched Unforgiven, and I think I brought that over. Mm-hmm. And, I know you yeah. watched Unforgiven. Oh, man. But Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I got really into because it's visuals. I think that was like well, another just a huge visual hit for me, where I was like, oh, all these things are possible with the camera. Uh, I got really into, I've always been, had a huge visual lean. Um, that's definitely like one of my bigger angles when it comes to the film. I love taking pictures from a younger, like a really young age, even before South Park video camera over, I was like, oh, let me, let me do the camera. Let me do the disposable camera. Whenever camera was available, I'll do the pictures. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, it just, that, I, that, I'm always had a visual just growth. Like, I don't know. It just really grabbed onto me. 
when we were doing all the, when we were doing the camera stuff, I didn't, I guess it, it impacted my brain more and more than I thought it would. Like I'd have these music video images in my head constantly. It'd be like, even like it, even all the way earlier when we were walking down, um, going to the rec center uh, and stuff like that. I remember mm-hmm. very distinctively all these just visuals walking down that bridge. It was long test, like fifth grade. Yeah, like this, always these, this third perspective of this, about what we're doing, these scenes and this stuff. And I think that's a big reason not to get off topic too much, just because it's kind of important. Uh, in, the, in the video game, uh, Far Cry Instinct's Predator, uh, I think that's part of the reason why I took so much the map making function. Uh, it was just because I was like, I, I was able to bring these visual like visual ideas to life. Um, <laughs> they had a map making thing in that game. Yeah, it was like a first person shooter. You can make multiplayer maps. To, pretty cool. It was very fun. Uh, and then definitely um, because of Salvatore introducing, um, while well, he was discovering David Lynch, he'd immediately bring it over and like introduce David Lynch to me. Yeah, right. I think I just like after I just done watching them, I just like gave them. Yeah, and I think you and Melissa sometimes would watch them. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I remember literally finishing Lost Highway, and I think I immediately called you, and somehow I just left the Lost Highway soundtrack in your car, mm. and you were meanwhile driving around listening to this fucking intense, like just like fucking dread filled soundtrack and i remember like seeing you like a week later and you basically described the plot of the movie just from the feelings the horrible feelings the soundtrack gave you yeah and just, and really to give you an idea of just how invested we are in just like the theatrical just sort of cinematic experience we would go in brandon's car as teenagers we would go out at like midnight just together from his house and drive to just the dark side like to the fucking of uh, the woods yeah on the outskirts of town like totally like twin peak style just like narrow one lane like, fucked up country roads like really that you, if another car is coming you sort twisted. of have to wave and let them yeah and so you're just going it's just the spread of your headlights over this just like just shitty road you know what i mean there's just these creepy trees on both sides just woods all around you a lake and uh yeah we would just drive through there listening to the lost highway soundtrack just like <laughs> freaking ourselves out one time we saw a possum scared the shit out of us yes it was, it was and then we were in a car and we just see this thing the the, the headlights just get thrown on this thing like it just turns and look at it, looks at us. It's like, Shh. and it's like eyes are just like glaring and like reflected. It looks like a demon. And we're like, ah! like whatever that freaks out. Like just knowing that that exists in nature uh, was enough to just make me almost piss my pants. Plus, it didn't help yeah. that we were. Uh, I also had the great fortune of my first car um, that I was paying for. Uh, but nonetheless, the first car that I owned was a Mazda RX-8, which is like a a very it's like a low grade sports car. But nonetheless, it was stick shit. It was still nonetheless a yeah, low grade Mike, sports Mike car. Knows. It was good taxi car and, and uh, it was very fun it was uh, <laughs> very fun to drive and we, we'd like really push it on these roads because it was it was really it hugged the ground and so we would just be like hugging these like yeah. country roads speeding quite a bit yeah it was speeding like a motherfucker me and brandon i was uh, talking to uh britney we were watching this true crime thing it took place in an area in texas that was near where my parents lived sort mm-hmm. of and i ended up going and like looking at their area trying to find the uh like where my parents lived to sort of show her and i ended up not finding them but finding the, the bridge over lake oh Island. yeah and i remembered you in that car because there'd be no one out there oh going oh, yeah, a hundred miles you just pushing it you know what i, I mean just the, like fucking i think the fastest i could get on that bridge was 110. God, I yeah i remember you telling me that you're like white knuckle and your hands were shaking i was like jesus um definitely this continuous continuous quality throughout well, not even just high school, the entire life of trying to emulate the cinematic quality in real life. That is for sure. Though. Yeah. Uh, whether it's going on these certain drives. I mean, we, we, that's, I think, big, right, a big reason why we attach to music because the music helps uh, bring that um, vibe out. 
I always uh, used everything as a vehicle to express how much I loved something that I had seen and wanted to like emulate it and create from it. You know, yeah. I remember we were doing that, this like sort of sketch comedy type thing. And somehow I worked a clockwork orange into like the comedy show that we were doing. Like it almost didn't make any sense, but one of the characters just suddenly becomes sort of like an a clockwork orange style character and starts beating the shit out of other people. <laughs> the clockwork like, orange was one weird. that yeah. I really it's definitely attached to actually as well. I think that's pretty much my majority at some point. Uh, towards the end there, Lethal Weapon was uh, introduced to me. Yeah, that right was a cusp of... Yeah, that was almost a tradition with me and my brother when we were like four or five years old is my parents would put out a cot in front of the TV on like a weekend night. And me and my brother would try to watch all four Lethal Weapon movies in sequence <laughs> like overnight. And so that, that was one I grew up with. And one day, Silas were brought over and we felt like, I fell in love with it and that became like a big brother movie for us that we really related on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like my big... There's so movies and movies and movies. Yeah, like when I was, ta- it's hard because like I was going through and I feel like I was just like cutting this like really narrow little path through like all this shit and it's just like I'm really talking well, about. It's hard to cover everything and I'm not going to try to. These yeah. are things that came to mind. It's yeah. Like the, I feel like the rule is trying to keep with this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just briefly like touching on, yeah, I'm trying to stick to early 20s. I feel like I've had more, I remember the first, it was funny, I moved out and it's very exciting because I had this time period where I was, I um, was living the dorm life, so I didn't have, um, but I was also still working, so my money, besides for feeding myself, was kind of like this extra dispensable money for the first time. Uh, well, kind of not for, the, not for the first, first time. I guess my job in high school as well, but I, I guess this is the first time I realized I needed, I, I lost all my movies, and that was a very like, oh, because I was all my parents' movies, and that, like, I was like, left a hole for me, so. That began my also my equal journey of going to Zia's, which is a local uh, movie store here in Phoenix, and continuously just trying to buy and buy and buy yeah. a movie collection. And, uh, and that's why I started watching other new movies. Uh, City of God was probably City a, of God, dude, when you showed yeah. me that, oh my fucking God. And it's such an effect. Because I had, uh, actually, I was in college and I was in Texas, and you know, again, I was going through this like, miserable part of my life. And I ended up coming and visiting Brandon after for two weeks. It was a great vacation. We ended up going up to Colorado where his mm-hmm. parents are for Christmas. And we all watched City of God together, and I just remember being like, "This is so, this is such a good memory." So, like, I think back to that a lot. Just it's, it's just so like, cool you know. because it's it's very much got this sort of Goodfellas vibe. But I love the documentary qual um, style that it gets introduced to it because it gives it such a intense realness throughout the whole movie. It's it feels so legit. It feels so real. The characters feel yeah. so real. Um, and the main character is such like a tertiary. Like he's the narrator, and you kind of nothing about it feels like weird or uneven mm-hmm. but it's like so strange the way like you know it's like the main character is just observing the whole thing like he's like very much the journalist which is what he's supposed to be yeah. it's just it's this great tapestry of characters like a great ensemble movie i fucking love that movie yeah love that movie um definitely heavily influenced me and then probably my my last really big early influence that's coming to mind is the before trilogy some good shit i think that's yeah. my really my my big first step into richard linklater that isn't school of rock uh, <laughs> uh, I was pretty good though. I mean, I mean, yeah. School Rock is fantastic, but uh, I don't think mm-hmm. I watched too much other Link later prior to this. Maybe one other thing, uh, but then I, I, Salazar was like, he kept on like seeing these bits and pieces of uh, before um, the before trilogy on YouTube. And he's like, we gotta watch these. We gotta yeah, watch yeah, these. We like, them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we ended up getting them. I, we watched them. And I was like, oh, these are so they're, these are beautiful. And I I really fell in love with movies. Those movies, as much as that mentality of. Uh, paintings, a movie being a painting that you can take something different from each part of your life when you watch it again and again. Uh, I feel like that's a great, great, great example um, how each movie impacts me. For a little bit of background, for those who don't know, it's Richard Linklater's Before 
sunrise before uh, sunset, or no, 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 yes, before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight, there we go. Uh, it follows the, this couple, um, which includes Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke and Julia Delvey. Julia Delvey. And it, follow, it basically does this nine-year checkpoint, because they actually made these movies nine years apart, each one of them, and they'd be a nine, um, the, the, the same timeline would follow in the movies. It's interesting. It's almost like a similar experiment to these Hollywood. Yeah, very much. Longer, you know what I mean? It's interesting. Um, and uh, it's just focused on their relationship. And they, you, we'd be peeking back in their lives at the different point in their relationship. And I've had, watching those movies at different parts of my life and, different, and being in different relationships and different parts of relationships, I felt profoundly different every time I watched it. Like, different, sense, different moments of feeling really lonely or different moments of being angry or whatever it may be or loving or that magic and the, everything's going to work out or maybe feeling by the end of watching it, everything's never going to work out in a relationship. You feel all of those when you watch it. I, I just think those yeah. are really good movies, really good writings that's simply just two characters talking. Like, that is all it really is in the movie. They walk around, they talk, they have some small, maybe they'll have a gathering conversation here and there. But it's very, it's very simple. How'd you feel about Boyhood? Speaking of, I love Boyhood. I love well. that. I remember me and you because that's like early twenties. We watched that. It had to be just a year or two after. Yeah. Uh, or maybe within. Yeah, it had to be a year or two after I moved out here. I remember watching that movie, and that was really impactful to me because that kid was growing up in Texas, just like we were, and he was either he was like a year or two years younger mm -hmm. than us, just based on the. Like what the things you I mean? He was like playing Halo Two. Yeah. He was in like elementary like school. Three years younger than us. I remember like there's a scene when he's in high school and somebody I used to know was playing like in the background of one of the like the the bars or restaurants he was in and like that was like the year I graduated from high school. I think that came out. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like it was like right there. Like we were like it was just like right behind us. So it was like the the references like the whole thing just felt so uh, I don't know like it was so relatable. Yeah, I love that movie. I think and then. I do want to special mention um, Girl of the Dragon that too because that also had a pretty good shit, yeah. big impact. Me too. I, I, I love that movie so much I actually made my own little uh, music video type movie. Uh, you know how on YouTube you can find music videos using a song and a movie? I did that with uh, uh, My Body's a Cage by the Arcade Fire. My Arcade Fire. I did that with um, that. And then uh, I did a variety of those things. Uh, for me, well, here, before I do that, it's kind of the end of my rope, but I figured because we didn't, I wanted to make sure we did this, but I forgot to talk about it beforehand. So I figured it'd be a good way to kind of go around again, though. Uh, I want to talk about, I guess, why we love movies, how very much how we did the why we love music, and what kind of makes us want to watch movies and that gives us that, that feeling. So to kind of go back around one more time, I figured we can go to Mike first, and you can talk briefly just why do you why do you love films I like why do you enjoy watching films um what makes you into movies um for me it i like getting being a part of this world and being a part of this experience whatever it may be whether it be uh scary exciting funny it, it kind of depends on the genre for the most part but like i just like um it's it's part of a escape of escapism i guess you can say escapism yeah and so that's mainly the reason that 
I love um, uh, movies and the number one thing, what, what makes a good movie good. And for me, it's like when it, like I feel different once I'm done watching it. It's just like I've learned something I, I've learned and I feel different about a certain thing. That's almost perfect because I feel like this is going to be a good little, I think we're going to have a good little trifecta going on things that we just said. But I'll say that at the end. I love anything, any kind of art or literature that just sort of shows me that more is possible. Um, that has a very creative uh, energy to it. I, I, I really respond to that. And Basquiat, like that's what I was talking about with uh, Julian Schnabel is a great example of that. All of his movies, I love them because I just love the fact that he, and Terrence Malick, you know, they are willing to approach this thing that I've seen a thousand times from just an angle that is so fresh and different and interesting and unique to them. And it's uh, just insanely creative. And I, I love that because it, this really emotional, relatable experience that communicates a powerful idea and real emotion and like real human struggle. I don't know. It, it like is able to penetrate that kind of layer that you've put over yourself and kind of get to your heart and your soul and, and show you something really transformative. I love watching something like that and feeling different at the end of it. Like I was able to kind of, I don't know, almost release something, you know what I mean? Just feel something and just be like, Oh my God, that's what that is. You know what I mean? Just, I, they're able to kind of circle and center on like an idea that's just so meaningful. And I think, uh, I don't know, just talking about just really just getting into some real shit. You know what I mean? I like creativity a lot, but I think, and that's definitely a part of it. I think it's part of that sort of humane style, but I, I like people that can really just get to the heart of it without being sentimental. And, you know, I've recently heard someone define sentimentality as unearned, um, kind of like emotional, you know, uh, I describe, I mean, like emotional sappiness, you know what I mean? When you don't earn the feeling, you know what I mean? But it, these movies don't strike me as being overly sentimental. They strike me as being extremely real and naked and, you know, powerful. I have to cry for a minute in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely, you'll find me very much along the, side, the same vein where I said about music. It's very much as emotional quality. I definitely can agree with a sense of having a soul when it comes to these films, I, uh, Clerks 2, I think that's why I love that one so much, and that one had a profound impact, and I think I gave a shit about wanting to know more about Kevin Smith in, in the first place, is because movies, a bunch of, you know, like, dick and fart jokes and all that, but at the heart of it, I felt I felt a profound amount of emotion, I felt like the ending had, a, like, very sincere feelings and about this friendship, and I, I felt a lot from it at the same time. And those were always the movies throughout my growing up or like my life that impacted me the most were movies where I, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't a drama. It wasn't a movie that was necessarily meant to uh, leave an impact yet somehow it did. Um, so I always look at, well, there's a lot of comedies that really I point at for this because they're supposed to be just fun little things, but I ended up leaving a lot more. Those are always the movies that had this profound impact I, and I, I love them still to this day is like wedding singer wedding uh, wedding crasher i felt the soul attached to it like i felt there was all there's really these really real sincere feelings um attached to it and i'm very emotional i, I cry very easily i'm not gonna lie to you uh i a good example of this uh <laughs> i went to see well this I have a very intense emotional attachment the year goes yeah don't let's spoil it again <laughs> I went to go see, yeah, me and Salvatore went to go see uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Probably mostly, I think honestly, mostly probably because of the Arcade Fire song. I'm, probably, I'm not going to Yeah, lie. no, we watched the trailer and it had that song in it. It just seemed we so beautiful. We were blown away. We're like, oh, God. 
<laughs> and we're like, this is like towards the end of high school. So we know we're going to graduate and our lives are going to begin. We're going to have to like leave childhood yeah. behind soon. That was a big part of it. But uh, And the song wasn't in the movie. It wasn't. I was waiting movie. for it the entire movie. It wasn't in there. Is it, uh, the song... Uh, uh, wake up! Wake up! There you go. Uh, uh, was in the in the preview. And the preview was beautiful. And we went to go see the movie, and the movie was <laughs> it was beautiful and a very dark. I bawled. I was bawling within like the first fifteen minutes. I bawled throughout the almost the entire film. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I was. You were a fucking wreck. But I remember we were driving home from this thing. And we were in Brandon's like you know sweet ass car, the uh, Mazda, and there was a storm coming in in the distance. And there was like thunder and yeah. lightning. In the, in the gathering clouds, and you were just like, oh, fuck. And I was just like, holy shit. And we were just sitting there listening mm. to our music, and yeah, it, was just, it was fucking crazy. And I was like, man, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, that was emotional, but Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> it just really hit me all these uh, very emotional, tender moments. And again, these movies that come with this heart, it's like it's packaged maybe in something that isn't necessarily meant to have, be that, that deep, but it still ends up being that deep. One of my favorite holiday movies is actually The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Because I think there's a, well, yeah, this goofy Jim Carrey flick, there's a lot of heart to it as well. And, like, I, I very genuinely feel how alone the Grinch is. And I, 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 I also watched the one again. You know what movie I feel about that? Action, adventure. But, well, I mean, obviously Lethal Weapon. But uh, uh, my favorite Indiana Jones, I think, is The Last Crusade. Just because oh. of, like, the search for the fathers, the search for the son. And yeah. The whole, you know what I mean? The whole thing. Yeah. Um, and this emotional quality, is a, that it really is my main thing with this movie. So I can't, if I feel like the... Yeah, as he's kind of talking about with the uh, uh, sentimental quality, where it feels like the where it feels like the emotion is skin deep. I, I, I turn off immediately. That's just where I we, I, t- we tune out. We just can't. We can't. Have that. <laughs> Sorry, no, I know. You, I agree. I just said that. <laughs> um, and be honest with you, that's why I have a hard time with a majority of Kubrick's films. I feel like they're so. Well, that's the opposite. That's yeah, like, they're so emotionally thin. Um, there's obviously a few outliers and. I do like um, certain films despite of, but I won't say I love everyone. They're movies. like callous. They look emotionally cold and sterile. And like, it's funny, I, I used to really, I, I do really like The Shining. We kind of talked about it um, before. But um, I like The Shining a lot. It was one of the first movies that definitely stayed consistently scary to me. And I actually did watch it at a younger age. Um, loved that movie from a younger age. But after reading the book and seeing how much more emotion and how much more depth there was, I was like, oh man, there really was a lost quality there. Yeah. Um, the book was fucking. Yeah, I actually read that in high school, and I was like, I didn't know any of that. Like, I didn't know this was in any way what it was, you know. And like, still like the movie, but I just see how emotionally stripped his movies are. Yeah. Um, Very calculated. Um, like manicured. I definitely think that a, a good example, and you kind of did the same line into a couple times, is David Lynch. I get. Well, Dude, having movies? similar qualities, but somehow still be emotionally full. They are. Yeah, no, I, I challenge you to tell me that Twin Peaks is not. Like, no, no. The weird thing about that show is it just seems sort of corny and melodramatic, but it plays such a fine line it's and it just, perfect. it works. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, that's definitely where I inspired from. The idea. Drive, the I, the uh, Ray Orbison song in yeah. Spanish. <laughs> and that, lead, that kind of translates for me is the idea of creating these films for a bigger purpose. Um, um, yeah, our focus was throughout high school was telling comedies and everything like that, but then growing up, the idea of telling a story that means something became much more of a priority, and that's much, much more my mission statement. Um, I, want a good, I want a good adventure. I want the journey. I want the escapism. I think that's such an important quality to films, and that's why we love them, so I don't ever want to lose that, and that's why those, the, my movies that tend to be my favorites still have a little bit more of a lean towards that end, but at the same time, I really want to bring some of that really more headier stuff 
and kind of slip it in. So like I said on an earlier podcast, I, I, feel like, I feel like Christopher Nolan's a director who does that really well. Someone who, as a director, influences me. Yeah, he's really, he's very good. Um, then Spielberg, yeah. actually, in general, the king dude, of blockbusters. We, actually, speaking of movies we saw in high school, fucking Inception, dude. Like, I yeah, never watched it. Like, that, I think that we probably made me cry in the theater. We, it was me, you, Christine, and maybe Haley, or... I know, I, I, I know where person. we sat, but I remember Michael, but yeah, no, I just remember, fuck, yeah, that movie was good. Um, especially seeing it as a teenager and just being, like, for the first time, just watching mm. that, and like, man, that's fucking, ugh. But that's, I think, a big reason why I love Spielberg and as far as those classic big directors. I can, and it's true, though, I, not that at all I take Martin because Martin has a really fantastic... He's, he's my favorite. Like, I'm just curious. He has a fantastic job yeah. of bringing such big life yeah. and characters. But for me, the wonder that Spielberg brings is also just really fantastic. So I just um, love the uh, the human suffering and the catharsis. <laughs> and, no, but, like, the fact that it's, like, they transcend the suffering. Like, I mean, like, I feel like The Last Temptation of Christ is probably like, the best example of that because it's just, like, and, you know, it helps I grow up, like, a Christian sort of, like, background in my family. But the thing is, actually, I was thinking this when you were talking, movies are more important to me as, like, they, like, serve, like, <laughs> for good or bad, like, they serve the purposes of religion more than religion ever did because I always felt oppressed by uh, <laughs> by my parents' religion and then taking me to church and stuff. But... Uh, watching the last temptation of Christ, I was like, I can see the value and the philosophy of Jesus. You know what I mean? And then this story, and I was just like, it was just so, it was done so intelligently and with so much emotion. You know what I mean? It didn't feel cheap. It felt like very, uh, I don't know, almost mystical in that sense. The marriage of the emotion and the uh, the intellect there. Yeah. So cool. I'm kind of glad. I, I want to make sure we cover that because I feel like it's, just a, it's a really important quality to this conversation, and I don't think it should be missed on. Is the reason why? Um, I think that's just something that people don't value enough. And, uh, but yeah, I think that was a pretty good episode. Um, as far as I do, I, I kind of, I, I think, I'm not saying anybody else has anything else to say. I do want, I do, I do know exactly what I want to ask the audience to do in the comments below. Uh, I would really much, so like for the, um, for you to not only list your favorite film, but also say what was your biggest takeaway from it. So not yeah. why you liked it. What was like? What was the thing that you took away from it? Not even necessarily learned. Just whether it's really funny or emotional, whatever it is. What was your takeaway from it as well? So that's why I wanted to ask the audience. Yeah, that's good. For the comments below, or on Instagram, or Facebook, yeah. or wherever. Alongside all the other many comments you guys have left. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like, subscribe, <laughs> repost, share. Yes, please do. Content is king. And also, Pokemon's way better than Digimon. Ooh. I didn't say anything. Did uh, Pokemon have the bare naked all, all the Pokemon fans always love saying that. <laughs> I remember watching Digimon. Um, <laughs> all I remember are the black ears. I remember being disappointed, that's all. Yeah. I remember Yu-Gi-Oh! a couple years later, too. Like, Pokemon was, like, sort of, like, it crested and, like, the wave had fallen down. And I was like, well, this isn't Pokemon, but I guess I'll fuck with it. <laughs> but, well, the, the, okay. Let's, let's end it here. Let's end it here. <laughs> okay. Before we get into a, yeah. a I don't wanna, I gotta get going. based off a TV show argument. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, anyway, this has been uh, this week's episode. This has been the movie appreciation episode. We appreciate you all uh, hopefully tuning in. I mean, we don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, follow us on uh, Instagram at the 21st Century Podcast. Uh, or, sorry, 21st Century Underground uh, on Instagram. And then on uh, Facebook, it's the 21st Century Underground Podcast. And then I can be followed at the Neon Codex on Instagram. I can be found at uh, B Samsara Studios. 
You can follow me at Mike Vivace on Instagram. All right, cool. And uh, that is the that is the episode, everybody. So yeah, we hope you enjoyed, and uh, be sure to be safe. This yes, uh, coronavirus safe. thing is definitely still pretty serious. Uh, so you know, wash your hands, uh, stay clean, stay inside if you can. And uh, yeah, we'll be seeing you guys next week. Take care. Thank you.